If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everybody, before we get started on this top 10, I wanted to like kind of lay the groundwork a little bit because I found when I put it on YouTube last week, some viewers were a bit surprised, a bit taken aback. Because before we started filming this, I told my two co-hosts that I wanted to have some fun. I wanted banter. I wanted back and forth. I wanted poking fun. I just wanted to have a good old raucous time. And we all did. We had a fantastic time. If you could see this, you would see we're all smiling ear to ear from start to finish and laughing and all that. But some people aren't used to that kind of japes and snipes and all that on a Rotto Runs Through themed video. So I just wanted to give you a heads up, folks. It may occasionally sound like there's some tension going on, but nothing could be further from the truth. We all went into this knowing that it was a no-holes-barred uh, battle royale. Then, of course, it never quite goes that far. But just bear in mind, we are all having a great time when it may sound like we are really going at it. Okay, so I just wanted to lay the groundwork, like I said, for that. And without any further ado, let's get to my latest top 10. Hey everybody, today Rotto runs through his top 10 must-have games. And hi there! This is not the first time I have tackled this topic. Uh, if you're a longtime fan of the show, I went through my top 10 must-haves about five years ago. And if you want, you can hit that eye in the top right corner screen or follow the links in the show notes to watch what I thought five years ago when I was a foolish young man and didn't know any better. Uh, today, I'm going to revisit that list, and there have been some changes. But there have also uh, been some things that have stood the test of time. So if you've seen that earlier video, I'm kind of worried that it might be a little bit boring for you. Which is why I've got two special guests today, so we can hear what they think as well. My two best friends in the whole world, Shay Parker and Ryan Crichton. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hey. I'm looking over there. I have no idea if that's where I'm actually going to put the picture-in-picture picture later. So I might have, maybe I should have looked over there or over there. It's all fine. Um, if you are a fan of Rotto Runs Through, you have already seen one of these guys, Shay, who I like to call Mini-Me. I don't know if you care for that, though, do you? It's not my favorite thing, but I don't hate okay. it. <laughs> well, you've been very polite about it so far, um, <laughs> as you grit your teeth, um, you know, <laughs> as, as you see posts on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Shay uh, recently joined the channel and has been doing a great job covering games that either I didn't have the time to cover, but I was really interested in, or that I thought were really great, but just weren't good fits for me and Jen. And I look forward to great things from him in the future. This other dude, though, Ryan, at this point, um, you may have seen Ryan and I did, well, I think one of the funniest videos I have ever been involved in. If you did not see Ryan's and my head-to-head -head over Tiny Towns last year, you must go watch it. It was My video was good, but his was hilarious. Ryan is a very funny guy, and I guess, Ryan, is this your coming out party? Uh, sorry, can you be more specific? <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll call it your auto run through bat mitzvah, I suppose. <laughs> hey, um, do I get to be called Maxi Me? Or is that weird? 
no, that's it. I think you've nailed it. I, I think um, I think all the rules have been established firmly now. And that's uh, not a weight crack, I, I hope. Guess. That's not a fat gag. <laughs> this is how this video is going to go, folks. Uh, <laughs> Ryan uh, does a great channel. Oh, I should say, by the way, Shay ha- runs his own channel, um, RTFM, which, mm-hmm. again, I cannot actually tell you what that stands for because this is a family-friendly show. It's fine. Uh, Google it. But yes, yeah. I mean, you, you'll find it very, very quickly. Uh, and, you know, he does a, a lot of really uh, great content. Ryan also has his own channel, um, Nights Around a Table. Not the table, Nights Around a Table. And he does lots of how-to-play videos. And uh, you'll be seeing more of Ryan in the coming weeks, months, and potentially years, if you guys like him, uh, doing how-to-play rules videos on my channel as well. It'll be a new series called, I don't know if this is it, but probably uh, Rotto Runs Through the Rules with Ryan, or something like that. And so... I already enjoy both of these guys' companies. Otherwise, I I wouldn't have them on the channel. And I think this is a great opportunity for you to get to know them a little bit better. What better way to understand a person deep down in their soul than to appreciate what they value most in board games? Because that's why we're all here. So, guys, you have your top tens ready, right? I do. And that wonderful camera that I have just turned off. (laughs) Okay. Lovely. That didn't take long. (laughs) Stay when you're back. And we're back. All right. And that was the first, and it probably won't be the last time, that Ryan has to restart his DLSR camera because, I don't know, that technology must be stuck in the 70s since you can't record for more than 20 minutes without having to reboot the camera or something. Yeah, but if I push the button, it spits out like a little gray picture, and if I shake it, you can actually see it within seconds. Well, all right, please continue to shake it like a Polaroid picture. That would be fantastic. Our first dated reference of the day from the old man in the <laughs> Far room. from the last. Yes, far from the last. Um, we are all very young people. Um, I t- I'm a, a happy 51, so I am definitely the old man in the room, and that's okay. I, I'm coming to terms with it slowly but surely. So, uh, we all have our top 10 lists, and we don't know... I, we have no idea. Well, they probably have some idea because I imagine they did their homework and watched my video from five years ago. Did you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, obsessively. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is going to go well, I think. <laughs> um, so for me, the way I have ordered this list, uh, it, like five years ago, this is not my top 10 favorite games of all time because there, there's a few extra caveats I applied to myself. One is the fact that these have to be games that... If these are, I should say, I categorize this as the desert island scenario where, oh, you're marooned, uh, you've got yourself, whoever you play games with, and these 10 games for the rest of your natural life. That's it. And um, as such, these have to be games that can withstand hundreds, if not thousands of replays. I could have also labeled this top 10 most replayable games. And personally, some of my top 10 favorite games of all time, I love them to pieces, but I'm lucky if I get to play them a couple uh, times a year. I don't know that they would hold up to repeated for the rest of my life. These are the only kind of games I get to play. Plus, I have other considerations like my wife's favorite games that don't always match with mine. So I'm trying to bring some of her choices in because this is it. For me and my wife, we'll never play anything else for the rest of our lives. Did you guys follow that? Or for you, Ryan, I think this is more just, these are my top ten favorite games, period. Which coincidentally happen to be the ones I would want on a desert island, right? I, th- I think your proviso is, frankly, madness. Okay. <laughs> if these are the games you're going to be stuck with for the rest of your life, 
and they're not your favorite games of all time, what the heck are we even doing here? Well, I... You know what I mean? And if you're bringing Jen's picks in there, yes. if you're stuck presum presumably on a deserted island or in a shelter, a bunker somewhere with her, how do Jen's choices enter into it? Presumably <laughs> Jen's there with She's got to play what you've got. Well, she's there with him, but he's brought he's brought the games. Uh, well, he's got the ten. She's got to play. Okay, so there's a little bit of insight into the Crichton uh, household. It's my games or the highway, girls. Uh, well, I mean, you know what? I, I'm happy to play with my wife, but she can bring her own ten. See, that was the would thing. be really different than mine. That um, the, the artificial confines of this thought exercise is there are literally no. These are the ten games. Period. You will never play another game it. for the rest of your life other than oh. these ten. And I stand by my choices. <laughs> All right. Well, and and same for you, Shay. Uh, so I uh, definitely took the desert island thing to to heart. I'm trying to curate a, a variety of games because mm -hmm. it's not just whether a game is good. You know, you want sometimes you're just in the different mood to play different games. So yes. I sort of picked my, in a sense, I picked my top ten of various genres. Um, yeah. And cool. you're gonna you're gonna see that uh, with my list. It 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 covers a pretty wide range. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Shay, Shay, you get me. You're my favorite. <laughs> Ryan, you're dead to me. And, and that's... Gotta go do the walk of shame favorite and stuff on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if Shay can hold on to favorite son status. For oh, the I won't. <laughs> yeah, what do you see is picks. They're awful. I'm excited. Well, then. Oh, oh uh, one other... A couple other provisos I gave myself and the guys. It'd be very, very easy to say, oh, well... I want Dominion because it'll have all the expansion and that's 5 million cards and I'll never run out of stuff. No expansions. This is just the base game. So it has to be the base game on its own. And I also asked the guys, because I didn't follow this list when I did it five years ago, let's try to limit ourselves to games that are pretty readily available right now. Um, because five years ago I put uh, Glory to Rome on the list. And that was very unfair because nobody can get a copy of that. And so I assume you guys did the same, right? I mean, these are games that yes. really aren't too terribly hard to get your hands on right now. Yeah, every single one of my games is available on, like, Amazon or something. All right. So. Sweet. Be sure, folks, if you go to Amazon, use smile.amazon.com so a percentage of your purchases go to the RSPCA. I only recently discovered this, and I'm very duly chagrined that I hadn't been using it the whole time. Okay. So, then, with all of this out of the way, I think we're ready to go. Uh, let's start... Oh, we didn't talk about this. What order do we go in? Do I go first or do I go last? Ooh. We should mix it up. Yeah, why not? All right. Well, then I will start. I will be the first to speak, and I will be the last to speak. And then for 9 through 8, we'll go in a different order. Um, let's start with my number 10, Roll for the Galaxy. Which, um, as, as, as proof that I actually love my wife, unlike <laughs> some people in this video... Uh, I love your wife? What are we talking about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love these guys. Okay. Um, actually, when I did this list five years ago, I had put Trajan on my list. Uh, specifically, because I know it's one of Jen's favorite games of all time, and I love it a lot, too. But I was talking with her about this a few days ago, and she said, no, I don't want Trajan in the bunker. I want Roll for the Galaxy. If there was one game, it would be that. And I love Roll for the Galaxy. I don't think this would have made my top ten, but she loves it so much. And I think it's a great game. Uh, for us, it's practically a filler. We can sit down and play a game from start to finish in um, 20 minutes. We've played this so much. Mm. We've played this game 
dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And it I can safely say it never gets old. At its heart, this is a game where you have a whole bunch of dice that represent different factions of your intergalactic community. You shake them up, you roll them, and then you kind of do this little worker placement game trying to decide how to assign these dice to different actions that are exploring the galaxy or expanding your economic base. And everybody reveals at the same time what they do. And the important thing about the game is, if I can figure out what you're going to do before that reveal happens, I can kind of piggyback off of your actions and uh, sail to victory if all goes to plan. So the game is brilliant in that there's a lot of non-direct... Uh, interaction, more about intuition, understanding what your opponent wants to do so that you can use that and leverage it to your benefit, which is one of our favorite means of uh, interaction in games. And the other thing I love about it too is, without a doubt, every single time we played this game, as we are done, we feel like we have created a completely new and original spacefaring galactic empire that had an interesting origin and it shifted the, the stories that grow out of this game are always entertaining and fascinating to us. And that's another thing I really love, which is why I'm very happy to um, you know, go to the bunker on the deserted island in space for the rest of my life with my number 10, Roll for the Galaxy. And uh, now we will say, Shay, what's your number 10? Yes. Uh, I want to say uh, real quick about Roll for the oh, Galaxy. Yes. I, I like Roll for the Galaxy. I think the reason I wouldn't bring it is only because every time I've played it, I played with my friend of mine who owns it, and he has beaten me every <laughs> single time. <laughs> and that's the only reason that I don't like that game. Um, but uh, my uh, my number 10, um, most of my top 10 is actually going to be pretty well-known games. But this one, I think, is is not as well-known, and I, and I think that's a shame, because um, it's one of my favorites. It's called Omen, A Reign of War. Um, oh, really? This I've heard is, uh, so this is a, a small box game. It's actually uh, originally uh, from a company called Small Box Games, which was then bought out by Colossal, which is how you can uh, find it now. And this is a two-player competitive card game where you are playing as sons of Zeus who are uh, vying for control of, of Greece, I think. Um, and the way that you do that is you play, you have a bunch of cards that represent soldiers or beasts or oracles or mm -hmm. spirits. Um, and you're playing them into three different, uh, three different towns. And uh, sometimes they'll fight, you measure strength. Every single one of them has a unique special ability. And... There are two ways to win. You either get a bunch of the towns, uh, control a bunch of the towns, uh, which gets you points, or you perform certain feats, which gets you these six different um, favors of the various gods. And uh, I really like it because it's just, it's a really great, quick two-player game. And there's two ways to play it. Either you're each drawing from a shared deck, or at the beginning of the game, you draft every card in the deck, and that is your deck for the rest of the game. So... I okay. that makes it very replayable for me because even though you're using the same deck, <clears throat> the same deck of cards, uh, uh, the drafting in the beginning means that you're playing with a different selection of those cards every time. Um, okay. It's a it's a great game. It's got some fantastic artwork, and I've I've been telling trying to tell people about this game for years because it it came out a little while ago and it just hasn't gotten the uh, attention I think it deserves because it's it is one of my favorite two player games <clears throat> of all time. Why do you think that is? Uh, why is it my favorite, or why has it no, not gotten or, the attention? Or, or, well, you just said why it's your favorite. Yeah. But, um, why hasn't it caught fire? I mean, I imagine some people might be saying, well, why would I play this over Magic the Gathering? Ah, you know? well, uh, so I think the reason that it hasn't uh, been particularly well-known is originally the, the publisher, Small Box Games, they didn't do uh, real like press runs. They just did uh, Kickstarters, and that was the amount of the game that they made. Um, this is their most 
successful game, I believe. Um, I think it's gone through three or maybe four reprints at this point, but they're always small print runs. So it hasn't quite gotten that kind of press. Now, it did get a little bit more attention when the Small Box Games catalog was bought by Colossal, and so they've reprinted it, uh, changed up the artwork, and or the, the box art, I should say. All the card artwork is the same, which is good because it's uh, fantastic. Um, but it provides a very different experience than Magic. Magic is much more about the deck building. You know, you spend the time yeah. crafting your deck before the game, and then you bring it in, and then there's a lot of luck, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to Magic. Obviously, the way you build the deck is important, but you do end up being uh, winning or losing sometimes based on the, your mana draws or whatever. Um, yeah. With Omen, uh, especially with the drafting, yes, there is some luck to it, but you really have control over uh, what your deck is you know, at the beginning of the game, and then you play through it, and the, the luck is there, but it's not overpowering. And each decision feels important. And you always have something that you can do. So in, in Magic, you're, you're, you might be screwed by your mana draws, but um, in Omen, you have the ability to just get money if you want it. Um, you have the ability to draw cards if you want it uh, at the beginning of each turn. So oh, okay. you have a lot more control over how the game works for you. You're not so straight-jacketed by the luck of the draw. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, I've heard about this for a long time. And I remember uh, you know, when Colossal first started out with uh, Travis Chance, he was talking about how he was so excited to be working with them to try to get this to a wider audience. Sounds like they didn't quite get it out there, but yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about it. I, I highly recommend it. I, obviously, because <laughs> it's going in the bunker with you. Yep. All right. What about you, Ryan? Number 10. My number 10 is uh, an obscure little promo card for a game called uh, The Moses Contraption, which is out of print. Uh, <laughs> the card runs for about, I think it's 80 grand on, on eBay. And what I like... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, my number 10 is uh, Emergence and Marauders. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I will defend it. I think I'll, I'm going to have to because I'll admit it's a flawed game, but it's a pirate game. And I have about 10%, maybe 10%, I've got 10 pirate games in my collection. And I love the idea of pirate games, yeah. but those pirate games suck <laughs> hard. Mm -hmm. They're all awful, and Merchants and Marauders is the only good pirate game that I have. And it's interesting because... Uh, pirate games are going through like a kind of a th moment right now. I was just going to say, I, yeah. I mean, you you might yeah, regret like Shane, this choice did... with just you know uh, this time next year since we're ha in the middle of a pirate board game renaissance at the moment. Yeah, I am fully uh, prepared to admit, and especially since okay, so Shay, you did uh, what was it? I sea just did. Of I just did Sea of Legends. I'm also uh, right. I think I'm going to be doing uh, Tiny Epic Pirates uh, in mm -hmm. the near future. Right. So, and we also have Dead Reckoning coming up, and we have Plunderers. Yes, coming I'll, up. and all I'll be pirate games are all yeah. Kickstarter. So. I will tell you, I'll put this little tidbit out there. Based on, I have played one of those four games so far. Okay. And my pirate game of choice may change come next year. All right. It's early days. It's early days, but I'll tease that. And we'll tell you which game it was. Okay. Uh, but Merchants Marauders, uh, to, to speak in its defense, every other pirate game I have is a piece of Merchants and Marauders, right? I've got I've got Pirates of the Seven Seas, I've got Rattle Battle Grab the Loot, and Pirates Cove, and, and Jamaica, and those are all, and Black Fleet especially, is like the pick up and deliver aspect of Merchants and Marauders. One of them is the combat aspect, so it's all little pieces. Yeah. Merchants and Marauders is the only one that has the whole kit and caboodle, the whole shooting cannon shooting match 
in one box. And it's the only one where I actually feel like I'm playing a pirate. Right, Monkey Island asked that question when it came out in, what, 91, 92. said, do you want to be a pirate? My answer is, heck yes, I want to be a pirate. This is the only game that makes me feel that way. All right. I, I, I mean, obviously, that's its strength. That's why people love it to this day. But, um, yeah, I don't want to start picking you apart, though. I mean, it's your it's your list. It's your bunker. Combat. I mean, combat is flawed. Yeah. Uh, there's too much downtime when people are at port doing their port activities. Yes. It's a real snooze fest. Right. I I agree. But give me a better pirate game. Well, uh, maybe we'll hear about that in a few short weeks. Yeah. Is what I yeah. Do. There you go. All right. So for now, Merchants and Marauders is a placeholder for most perfect <laughs> op, awesome, epic cardboard it, pirate simulation. Whatever it's that early days, but I think it's still going to go toe-to-toe. We'll see. When it, when it all shakes out, we'll see who's got the best pirate game. But for now, it's the strongest contender. So Shay, what do you think of that? Uh, so I haven't actually played uh, Merchants and Marauders. I know. I th- okay. Favorite uh, think- Sun status has swapped. I oh, That was earlier than I thought yes! it was going to be. I got yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, you haven't even heard my number nine yet. That's what I thought was going to do it. But uh, no, I, so I haven't played Merchants Marauders, unfortunately. But uh, okay. I, I, I've heard some things. But honestly, like, I feel like everyone has at least one of those games that, like, you know it's not perfect. But it just fills that yeah. spot in your heart. And yeah, uh, and yeah I, I'm, I'm not going to say too much because uh, in just a second you're going to hear the same thing. But oh, we're me. going to. Because you're going to be our first number nine. Yeah. Okay, cool. I will say that um, in spite of ribbing it, I can't disagree with anything Ryan just said. I mean, at this point, it is the uh, the ultimate pirate simulation. And if that's what you're looking for, then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the, big, it's the best stop for now. I think there are some stuff on the horizon, too, that I'm personally excited about. Uh, because, yeah, it just wasn't a keeper for me and Jen. But, hey, I'm glad I'm in my bunker instead of yours, Ryan. But maybe things will turn around. <laughs> With our number nine, Shay. All right. You've really piqued my interest. What's your number nine? <laughs> so, my number nine is Eldritch Horror. It is. Oh, I, yeah. I can't fault that. I can't. Okay. I mean, it's not for me, but that yeah. game is perfect for what it does. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I think that for what it does, it does it very well. Sure, it is. Ameritrash through and through. It, yeah. it is you're you're running around, you're chucking dice, you're you're fighting monsters, and it's and it's silly and it's fun and it's hard. And I think that's one of the reasons that I definitely want to bring it is because it is difficult. It's, I mean, sure, sometimes you know you have an easy run of it, but most of the time, for me anyway, maybe I'm just bad at it. I, I have a hard time winning this game, depending on which ancient one you're fighting. So uh, I should say uh, if. I don't know, you're living under a rock. Don't know what Eldritch Horror is. Uh, yeah, we probably should leave it. Uh, this is a game uh, based on the Lovecraft mythos. Uh, you are playing as different uh, event- adventurers from around the world who are uh, going to be going around solving mysteries, um, fighting ancient monsters, and trying to stop this uh, ancient god from awakening and destroying the world. And you do so by just like rolling, walking to town, Chucking some dice, picking up a flamethrower or a shotgun, and shooting uh, like a space bat in the face. Um, it's it's silly, uh, it's fun, and it's hard because I my win rate for this game is probably around twenty five to forty percent. Um, again, maybe I'm just bad at it, but uh, I think that uh, it just ha- it provides a really good challenge. And sometimes yeah. when you're playing a cooperative game, you want it to be really hard. Uh, and you know, you you want to 
I have a little bit of a masochistic side sometimes. I, I want to punish myself yep. uh, occasionally. And hey, you're I talking think, to a guy who did a top 10 masochistic games. There you I've go. I've done that list. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Definitely. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not an every time, like it's not an all the time game, uh, but sometimes I'm absolutely in the mood to just get stomped um, and, and try just to crawl your way to victory. <laughs> and maybe you do it, maybe you don't, but uh Either way, it'll be a fun time. And sometimes the most fun is when everything is stacked against you and no matter what you try, it's just, okay, I guess there's even more monsters in my space now. I <laughs> I need to do this, so I'm going to fight them. I've got a pocket knife and I'm almost insane, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, um, so. I guess my one question is, I mean, again, you know, with the proviso of no expansions because there's so yeah. much expansion content for this game. Mm. You're talking about this even with just the base box. Yeah. Because my I, main worry would be... I mean, so much of that game, so much of the charm of that game is all those interesting encounter cards and the weird okay. mishmash of, hey, one time when I was in New Orleans and now I'm in the, in the Arctic Circle um, <laughs> type stuff. Do, I do definitely, you think that would wear thin at all? I definitely agree that it is better with, with the expansion. I have, I have one expansion, and I, I think that does improve it a, a good amount. But I, I do still feel like the, you know, the... The nature of it means that you are going to get a pretty different experience, even with just the base game. Like, yes, there's a lot more encounter cards with expansions, but each encounter card has three different locations, and there's a fair amount of them. So depending on where you go, you know, you're going to encounter a bunch of different stuff. Um, and you never know what you're going to encounter. So even though you know that bit of the story, you don't know exactly what you're going to get yep. at any given moment. So I, I think that it holds up. I, maybe not like a million plays, but like... I, I don't think that I would regret having this on my island. Yeah, you'd, you'd be happy keeping the rotation. I, I I mean, it's a big, bombastic game. And like I said, even though it's not for me, I cannot deny that it, it does what it sets out to do perfectly. <laughs> it's the epitome of cooperative Ameritrash gameplay. Yeah. Fixes all the problems with Arkham Horror. And uh, yes. yeah, I mean, if folks want, they can see my run-through. I'm sure you've covered it too on your channel, right? Uh, I did. I taught uh, Eldritch Horror way back when. That was actually one of the first games that I did a video on. All right, well, there you go. Well, um, Ryan... Uh, win me back all into your good stuff. graces, or vice versa. What's your yeah. number nine? Oh, I was just going to say, all that stuff completely confuses me. Any Cthulhu Mythos stuff, I cannot keep Arkham Horror straight from Eldritch Horror straight from Mansions of Madness. You know, I have no as a as a consumer, as a customer, I have no idea how to even dip my toe into those waters. Oh, really? Uh, I think, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that I, I think could be a, the subject of its own video of like where to yeah. start with that kind of thing. Um, Eldritch Horror is a big one, so. Maybe not that one, but I, I don't know because my, the, honestly, the game that got me into board gaming was Arkham Horror. Oh, okay. Uh, weirdly enough, because um, that should not be a gateway game, but for no. me, it was. You know, I played that and I was like, okay, I want more of this. So, okay, then there's something wrong with your brain. Oh, right. absolutely. We're learning all kinds of things. <laughs> Ryan, what do you have for number nine? Number nine, uh, roll for the galaxy. Are you serious? So that I can play. With Are you Sarah serious? Your wife. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you. <laughs> Oh, what's your number nine? I have something Smart to break guy. to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Roll for the Galaxy for all the reasons you cited. Oh my, my gosh, wow, all... our first overlap. All right, yeah, maybe your book is not so bad after all. She loves it. We play it a bunch. I love it for the same... I, You know what? You, see, you were talking about the story that evolves at the end of the game. I've never... I've never picked that up. We just play it. Uh, she trounces me. We pack it up. And that's how it goes. But we're, we play slow. We play everything really at a snail's pace. So we get it done in about 30 to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I like about it that you didn't mention is that 
Uh, like Seven Wonders, which I don't enjoy at all, uh, you can add players to Roll for the Galaxy without adding uh, a lot of uh, overhead or playtime, sure. which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I adore it. It's great. Wow. Awesome. Shay, you have not played Roll for the Galaxy? No, I have. That's the one I was telling you that uh, I always lose at. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. okay. Well, then currently it's winning, The Bunker War. Awesome. Yes. I'm very happy about that, as will Jen. That's fantastic. All right. Well, that was easy. Um, then let's move on to my number nine, uh, Fuse, which I don't know if either of you guys have played. From, Never heard of I've it. I've played, yeah, from, I haven't played Fuse, I've played the, the second Fuse game. Flatline, I, I think. Flatline, yeah. I've played yeah, Flatline, yeah, yeah. and I really like it. So, this is a, uh, it's a real-time cooperative game, uh, from Kane Klenko. Uh, the whole game is basically just a handful of dice and a bag. And what we're doing is, in real-time, the game gives you ten minutes. You, you, you uh, it doesn't come with a timer, so you have to use an egg timer or your phone or something like that, which I'm hoping. Well, now I think about it, what? oh my god, my desert island. What if I don't have battery life? Oh, I have to rethink you got plenty, everything. You've got plenty of sand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess I, I can make a uh, sand clock or something like that. Or, but hold or, up, or an hourglass, that yes. a real-time game that relies on a timer doesn't ship with a timer? I mean, maybe it does. I don't, remember. I don't think days. it does. I don't think it does. Crazy. Or no, maybe it does. I'd have to pull it down. You're right. I, no, you know what? I, I think it does. I think it does have an hourglass, but we never use it because... Uh, this is a very fast-paced, frenetic game of trying to defuse enough bombs before time runs out and we all die. And so, if in fact it comes with an hourglass, which I'm almost positive it must now that I think about it, you're unlikely to hear it. And so we just like to have a nice loud beep, oh, you all just died because you didn't make it kind of situation. But um, five years ago... So is I... it like escape? Is it like you're rolling dice to... What you're doing is, it is yeah. a real-time dice draft game. Uh, we're, we're playing yeah. rounds as fast as we can. Whoever's in charge of the bag of dice pulls a number of dice out, depending on the number of players, rolls them, and then we can grab. Everybody grabs one die. But the thing is, everybody in front of them has a card, that, or, or more than one card, depending on player count, uh, that tells you what color dice you need and what value dice you need. And often you have to do funky things like stack dice on top of each other, pyramid style, or, or do um, straights, and uh, or, you know, dice values have to add up to equal other values. All just very simple little abstract concepts that for me to diffuse the bomb that this card represents, I have to, I am desperate desperate for a, uh, a green die that is at least four or higher. And mm. the thing is, w inevitably, when we eventually pull out a green die from the bag and roll it, and it turns out to be a five, if we haven't played smart, you need that die just as badly as I do. And we do not have time to, mix, uh, to mess around. Only one of us can take it. And inevitably, some of the dice that roll, nobody needs. Yeah. They're like... I, I can't use this die, or this. If I put this die here, I'll make the other thing I have to do on this card almost impossible. But um, every round, every die that doesn't get taken from the draft because we don't have to, force the, you force those dice to be re-rolled, and depending on what rolls, we might lose progress on the bombs we've already done. So this is a very fast, intense game, and key to victory is. Um, it's less about the dice you draft and more about every time I uh, defuse a bomb card, I have to take another from a public display, and I have to be smart not only about a, a bomb that won't conflict with my others, but won't conflict with my teammates either, so we can all don't have that situation where we both want the green five so desperately. It's super simple. It's pretty abstract, but it's perfect. It is flawless. And um, when I did this list five years ago, uh, it didn't occur to me, but 
I love real-time board games. And when I did this time, I realized I've got to have one. I've got to have a real-time board game. I, I removed CV from my list because the reason I had that five years ago is because I love the stories it tell. But then when I brought in Roll for the Galaxy, oh, I get stories that way. And then I had room to bring in a real-time game. And if we were doing this list two months from now, Project Elite might take this because it's about to come out. Finally, I've been waiting years for the big Project Elite second edition to be released, and I'm, I imagine I'm going to love it. But in the absence of that, Fuse, I think, is my favorite uh, real-time cooperative game, and I think the one that offers the near infinite replay value because the core puzzle to me never gets old. It's always fun. It's always in the moment, and I, I love it to pieces. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, right, we're, we're done with number nine, I think. Yes, okay, then. Yeah. Let's go on to number eight. Ryan, start us out. What is your number eight? My number eight is Seven Wonders. Duel. <laughs> Duel. <laughs> Hold on. Duel. Okay. You were testing us. And, if you were paying attention. <laughs> I put, uh, yeah, I put Seven Wonders Duel on the list uh, because I felt that I needed at least one good two-player game on there. And I, I of all the two-player games that people have floated saying, I mean, designed for two players specifically. Yes. Because I find when you take a four or five-player game and they say, oh, you can play it two players, like, you can, but it was obviously designed to have more players, right? So it, uh, a lot of times it falls down. This one was designed for two players, and when people recommend stuff like Odin's Ravens, yeah, it's okay. Lost Cities, eh, it's too mathy. This is the one two-player game that I think is uh, fantastically done. I love that there are multiple ways to win. It's a, it's a card drafting game. You're drafting cards from a pile, and you're building a little tableau in front of you, and the tableau gives you more gold and more resources yeah. in order to draft more cards. But what's cool about it is that there are three different ways to win. You can let all the cards uh, in, in three different arrangements get exhausted, and then whoever has the most points at the end of the game is the winner. But there's kind of like two like routing victory conditions. So there's a push-pull tug-of-war token going on with the red military tokens. And if you're going for points and somebody pushes that military token all the way to your end, you instantly lose. Like points, it doesn't matter. You're done. Uh, and then there's a, a science victory. So if you collect a certain number of symbols, I believe it's six symbols, um, then you can totally put the kibosh on the rest of the game. The game ends immediately and you win no matter how many points the other player has. Uh, so it constantly keeps you on your toes, and you can never sort of sit back smugly like, ah, I've got 50 points, the other person has 35 points, I'm going to win, because no, that person might get that symbol and totally smoke you. It's cool. Yeah. My first question is, what board game or old folks home are you hanging out at where they recommend Odin's Ravens? Oh, I thought you... <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I go, I've, I've been collecting board games for a while, <laughs> uh, for sure. So that was... Uh, Early in my collecting days, people were saying Odin's Ravens. Yeah. Uh, so I had the original before the before the redesign, and it was fine. But that I mean, <laughs> back in the day, that was the one that they always recommended. Oh, you got to get really? Odin's, Ravens. Odin's Ravens. Yeah, yeah, two player. Yeah. Well, that was because there was a day. series I mean, of not, Cosmo nothing games. wrong with Odin's Ravens. It's, it's fine. It's a neat little race game. But I, I, I agree with everything you said. And Seven Wonders could have made, or Duel could have made my list if it wasn't for one design decision that was. Totally added. Oh. Did not exist in the original Seven Wonders. I, the military track is fine. The the kind of reverse tug of war thing that it has going. Except for oh, as I push my way up towards victory, I'm also destroying your stuff. And it's like, why is ah. that? There? Why? It's totally unnecessary. Seven Wonders obviously succeeds just fine without players having to torch each other's stuff to the ground. And yeah, oh. that's what killed it for me. Because otherwise, I think you're right. It's brilliant. And There's a key difference between us. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like burning things to the ground, and I'm like, pass me the match. 
<laughs> have you played a duel? Uh, okay. I've I've played duel. Yeah, I, that's another one of those games that like I'm sure I would like it more if I ever won it. Um, but I'm very bad at it for whatever reason. I, again, I think it's the 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 guy that I play it with. It's the same. It's the same guy. Same guy. <laughs> same that guy. has that owns Race for the uh, Roll for the Galaxy. Owns Seven Wonders Duel, and he's the only person I've ever played it with, and he's beaten me every single time. I need so to. What what's this guy's is, name? Give me this guy's name. You're, yeah. you're planning on bringing this guy with you into the bunker, and that's your primary that, consideration. That's the thing. I guess I need to kick him to the curb, uh, and then I'll in. just like these games more. So, <laughs> cool. All right, uh, I dig that. Uh, so that was uh, your number eight. Uh, my number eight uh, is. My first one that I talked about five years ago, and I still love it to pieces, it's uh, Shadowrun Crossfire Prime Runner Edition. And I say that because I'd rather have the original Shadowrun Crossfire, but that is all but impossible to get right now. Had a limited print run, disappeared. The new Prime Runner Edition, which is pretty readily available right now, is 95% the same, and in fact... What I should say is, I need the Prime Runner Edition, but then I also need a downloadable PDF of the rules for the original Shadowrun Crossfire. Because all the components are still there. They made some cool little enhancements to the game, you know, like special starting player powers. But they made some core changes to the rules that I fundamentally disagree with, but the game is completely backwards compatible. And what is it? It is a cooperative deck builder set in a cyberpunk slash fantasy future where players are uh, mercenaries who uh, tried to do a job and it all went wrong and now they are on the run and are being chased by every bounty hunter in the city. And this, you talked earlier about masochistic. This has got to be one of the meanest, harshest cooperative games that have ever come out. Uh, Jen and I, we've played this game probably close to 100 times now, and we're doing good to get like, uh, you know, 30% win ratio. And But we still love it. It's fast, it's furious, and I know a lot of people out there insist that it's entirely luck-based. That it's, it's, it's a piece of garbage because, hey, you know, the events that pop up, there's no way we could have prepared for this event. We just died because of bad luck. To them, I always point out, the developers of this game win 90% of the time. And that means it is a skill game. If, at the end of the game, an event comes out that's just going to insta-kill you, that means you made a bad choice at the beginning of the game. Because it's very rare that I see a game more um, where, where your choices are more laden with consequence. Every card you buy to add to your deck, uh, you know, weapons or events or allies that you can pull in to try to stay alive and just survive three waves of bad guys is um, it's life or death and every decision will make or break you and uh, both Jen and I love it to pieces it recently or more recently got a retheme with Dragonfire uh, and so if you would prefer a fantasy setting you could go with that one but I do still think that the Shadowrun Crossfire because it is a harsher crueler game uh, still makes it and uh, comes in at my number 8 uh, which gives me the opportunity to say I don't think I said this right up front Last time, I ordered this, I ranked this list based on just what my favorite games were, which means uh, Shadowrun would be near the end of the list. But this time, I decided to challenge myself. And I dropped this on the other guys. I don't think you did this. My countdown is in the form of my number one on the list would be what I choose if I can only have one game for the rest of my Hmm. life. My number two on the list is what I would choose if I have two games. This is my number eight. So this would be the eighth game I would choose to bring in my bunker. And if I was only allowed seven, it wouldn't have made it in. So that's just a... Hold hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're saying that in a top ten countdown... Yes. 
your favorite thing. My second favorite game the of all one time position. is the number eight I would choose to bring so, with a bunker. Slow, slow down. I'm not <laughs> So the best one is at number one. That's, this is revolutionary. This is going to change top ten lists, Rado. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love Shadowrun Crossfire to pieces. But the things that I love about it, that it does, that makes it my number two ranked game in the world... There are certain elements, like Shay said right up front, there are specific things I want to ensure that I have with me for the rest of my life. Even though my top 10 games of all time, my favorite games, do not have a real-time cooperative game, I really wanted to make sure that for the rest of my life, I want to have a real-time game I can play every once in a while. That's why Fuse, which is in my 50s or 60s, comes into the bunker with me, whereas... Um, Pelopenes, which is in my top 10, my favorite games just in terms of raw mechanisms, doesn't make it. Uh, because there are other things that do what Pelopenes does. A lot of these things are, hey, roll for the galaxy. It's there because my wife loves it and also because I love the stories it tells. And that means I could clear out CV to make room for Fuse because I really wanted a real-time game as well. And so, I think people will be very, very surprised by what my number one on this list is going to be. It's <laughs> not what you expect. Um, but it's because if I could only have one game for the rest of my life, it would have to be that. Even though it's wow. probably my number 80 on my actual list. I would not have expected Monopoly, dude. <laughs> Everybody just tuned right <laughs> Dang it! I told you! We were that, trying to that's all right. I didn't mean to give it away. Sorry. Skip <laughs> to the end of the video, you see. <laughs> okay, so um, I think uh, that was me for number eight. And uh, yeah, let's... Uh, Go with Shay? Yeah. I didn't prepare for this at all. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so my number eight is uh, kind of what, like what you were just talking about of this wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't put this in my top ten of all time, but I very much wanted to have a dexterity game in this. Ah. I think dexterity games are great because there's something that you can get better at just physically. Yeah. Like, uh, And also, if you have certain kinds of dexterity games, like... Once you play it enough, you can also kind of just change the rules for whatever you want to play with it. So my number eight huh? is Crocodile. Um, Cro- oh, of course. Crocodile. Yes. Crocodile for yeah. me is like bringing a soccer ball to a desert island. You know, like this is just something that you are going to be able to play with your friends. And sure, like I, I, I just learned, like I just played it for the first time six months ago. Um, and I've played it on a number of occasions since then, but I love it. Uh, yeah. And I think that it is such a pure dexterity game that it has that kind of replayability because it is just about getting, just increasing a skill at something. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes, yes. So I, I, I For really people enjoy... people who don't know what Crokinole is, oh, yes, I'm sure I put a picture on the screen, but... Uh, yeah, so as you can see, it's a, a circular board. There's pegs uh, around the center. There's a circle. There's a hole in the middle. And there's a bunch of rings. And it's just about flicking a little disc trying to get into that uh, center ring or in that little hole in the middle. Uh, if you can, try not to get your uh, discs uh, to go into the gutter around the ring and trying to knock your opponent's discs out into, yep. you know, unfavorable positions. It's a very For simple design. my Canadian design. friends, it's miniature curling. It is miniature curling. And but yeah, but in my Canadian friends should know about it anyway because... Curling. Yes. yes, curling in it's, all directions. Curling in yes. the round, mm-hmm. definitely. It's a Canadian game, actually. It was invented mm-hmm. here in Ontario. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. They have a they have a, an annual Crokinole Championship uh, about two hours east of here that I actually thought about taking a, a camera out to, to to shoot. Cool. You should. That would be crazy to see. Yeah. It. Um, but yeah, so Crokinole, I, I think it's a it's a simple game, but I, I I think it's fantastic, and I think it's 
replayable because you, you're going to play it for a long time. You're going to get better at it. Eventually, you're going to find a, a moment where you think, like, I'm a little bit tired of, uh, of playing this as normal. But because it's so simple, um, you can easily just start making up house rules. Like, okay. oh, you have to ricochet off a peg. Um yeah. Or in order to to make it, in order to leave your puck on the board, or you or know. in Eno Montoya style, help. Oh, we now have to start flicking with our off hand. Exactly. Yeah, and that's how we play for the next two years. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many, there's so much possibility there that I think yeah. it is endlessly replayable in that sense. Uh, and as far as dexterity games go, um, I think that one is maybe more replayable than than any other one that I've ever played for sure. Oh, I, 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 you know, that is, yeah, if I had put a dexterity game, spoilers, I didn't, mm. I would probably give this one, it, it's, it's the granddaddy. It's what every yeah, other yeah. game aspires to. It is so good. And the only problem you're going to have is after a couple of years, you'll find your discs don't slide as smooth as they used to because you didn't bring any lacquer to yeah. finish the board. So that's, plus you'll get those dents in your fingernails from flicking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing I was thinking about. And I'm curious what you guys, uh, how much you, you took that into consideration when making your list. How much do you count physical degradation of the game itself into your consideration? I didn't I, consider that at all. Because I right, did I exactly. I, I did not at all. And there's another game on this on my list that like you're gonna see. You know, it's it would come up if you're thinking about it realistically. If you only have the original box, eventually it will be unplayable because the components will will wear out. Yeah. Um, well, but, I, I own that copy of Scythe with the metal cards. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe those will hold up. It was pretty expensive on Kickstarter, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Got to get those stretch goals. Uh, don't worry. I'm sure you'll be able to fashion some kind of coconut oil fix. Yes. It, it'll, it'll be fine. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll get it worked out. You'll have plenty of time to figure it out. All right, was yeah, that we do have the eight? professor on the island with us, don't we? Yes, mm-hmm. yes of course. The really old guy references. Much better than trying to make a coconut telephone is just getting your coconut board <laughs> back up to snuff. <laughs> yeah, was that everybody for eight? I've already lost track. I believe so. Yep, I've done it. Hey, then let's move on to uh, number seven. I will start out, and it is a repeat. Five years ago, I put Jaipur on my list. Um, For the same reason, uh, Ryan, that you put Seven Wonders Duel on yours, I really wanted to have a stellar two-player-only game. You know, I I just felt like I needed to have one. And and I I still stand by Jaipur as a wonderful choice. But I have removed that from my list because I realized I don't need to have a two-player-only game. These are all amazing games for two because that's the only way I play games. So that was the main reason, plus I love the camels. And I decided to replace it because the other reason I had Jaipur was I wanted a filler. I wanted a quick game. Sometimes we just want a, a, just a fun little thing. And I've replaced it with Kokoro Avenue of the Kodama because... The what? Kokoro Avenue <laughs> of the Kodama. I've heard of One this. One more time? Kokoro. I've never heard of this. Avenue of Tell Kodama. me all about it. Yeah. Um, okay. In the subsequent five years, since the last time I did this list, uh, obviously Roland rights have exploded. And yes. I have discovered I really do love them. And while I may be opening myself up for trouble because eventually I will run that pencil down to a nub... Oh, wait, no. Uh, or no, more to the point, I will run out of ink in the dry erase marker because Kokoro doesn't have a pad of paper. It has dry erase stuff. I guess we can start playing with our own blood or something like that if we need to <laughs> to keep playing. We'll, I, we'll I figure something, starting out. We'll figure that something out. Life finds yeah. a way, as with Kokoro. This is a... Uh, it's not a roll and write. It's a flip and write. I'm getting to the point where I'm just going to call them all roll and write. Who cares if there's dice or not? And um, it's a remake of an earlier roll and write called Avenue. And Avenue is probably... 
one of my favorite roll and rights to have come out in this huge explosion, if not the best one, because it's a game where it's bingo style. Every round, there's a, a new randomly chosen card that is revealed that says, hey, everybody, you've got to draw a straight road on your little grid where you're trying to connect a bunch of buildings together to form networks. There's other games like this. Railroad Inc. is a very well-known example. Uh, and, you know, Kokoro doesn't really do much new or interesting with the, hey, here's what's flipped, here's what's revealed, here's how you're trying to build your own little network that'll score you the most points over the course of the game. The brilliant thing about this design is, if I recall correctly, there are five moments based on going through the deck of cards that everybody has to stop and score what they've done so far. And that creates so much amazing tension because you're just trying desperately to get one last thing in before the next scoring phase happens. But the tricky thing is, you don't want to score too much. Say at the end of the first round, I scored a 12. And I said, okay, that's not bad for a first round. Now, when we get to the end of the second round, I have to score even better. Because if I don't, if I, on the next round, if, if I don't do better than a 12, I score nothing. But then I reset, and I can start working my way up the scoring ladder again. And this is so brilliant. I'm sure there must be other games that have done this, but I haven't seen them. And I think, doesn't Fox in the Forest do something like does that? Does Fox in the Forest do that? I, I, I will I admit, I have not played Fox in the Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's great. You have just pushed that higher up on my list of things <laughs> I must try. Because I love this. It's such a simple idea. But I, I've played Avenue with um, just me and Jen. I've played it with hundreds of people when I've done live playthroughs where uh, you know, the audience is playing along with me. And it is always just so nerve-wracking. Uh, you know, that extra tension of, okay, I, I need to score more points, but if I score too much, I'm really hurting myself for the third round. How can I thread that needle? It's sometimes tough to do because the cards don't necessarily give me what I need. And so you, know, you, you start thinking about probabilities. What's the likelihood that the thing I want comes out? It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And when I started thinking, I really want a roll and write, putting aside maintenance issues, it was, the, it was the one I kept coming back to. I had to give it. And, and I, oh, I should say, I could have gone with Avenue, but I've gone with the new, re, re, more recent re-theme, Kokoro, Avenue of the Kadama. Because one, it's cuter. It's these cute little woodland sprites that you're trying to help build roads for and stuff like that. But the new version introduced, um, I think they were called Decree cards. And every time you play, you still got the core base game that I've always loved with Avenue, but there's a new, different, rule-breaking effect that is put into play randomly that totally changes the game. And so, that gives Kokoro a ton more replayability than pretty much any other roll and write I can think of. Um, because again, I want this game to be able to withstand by you know, playing hundreds of times. And I think Kokoro wins on that metric. And, uh, and there we go. That's my number seven. I'm suspecting probably neither of you have played it. I have not played I, it, no, but I, I've heard about it. I couldn't even it. pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, a, if you're I looking, have a different Kodama game that I, I haven't gotten to play either, but um, it's been sitting on my shelf for a bit. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the other Kodama games are lovely, too. Those ones are more um, uh, actually very interesting, using cards to build a nice kind of a route, but it's not. It's a tree. and it, there's, The Kodama series is really neat, but Kokoro is by far the best. And I don't know if you guys have any rolling rights further on your list. If you do, you made the wrong choice. <laughs> and um, so that was it for me. Uh, Shay, what is your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Star Realms. Uh, I, oh, okay. I wow. just Star Realms with just, just the Realms. base box, just naked, yeah. just the one little tiny yeah. box of like twelve cards. Uh, so I, I mean, there was there was no cost restriction on this list, Shay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you spent had more than twenty dollars, Shay. So here's the thing. Okay, I love deck building as a mechanic. 
Yes. I think uh-huh. it is a really interesting thing to add to a game. But deck building games, for the most part, I don't get along with because I don't think it by itself is enough to sustain a game. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of, for me. Yeah. I think a lot of I think a lot of deck building games, they try to uh, just make the deck building more complicated or uh, try and sustain it using mostly just that mechanic. And that's not interesting to me. I think it needs something a little bit more or it needs to be very quick, which is what Star Realms is. Star Realms is yeah, my yes. filler game for, mm. for this because okay. for this list because it plays very quick and as soon as you're done, start it over again and, and try again. And... Yes, even even just the base box. I, I could take either the original or there's another base box that they have. I think there's a few at this point. Um, no, any just of them, the original. Uh, I, you're I restricted. Take... That's it. What was that? Just the original. You're restricted. Just the original. That's it. He was very clear. Well, no, box. No, just the box. He could have. He could have. Yeah. If they were standalones, he could have gone with a different one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they're, okay. They're, they're all standalones. But but still, oh, I, okay. I'd say the base box is is just fine. And and I think that uh, it does stand up to to repeated play. It's. I, I have played this game so many times where I've played three, four, five games in a row. Uh, As I understand it, there is a thriving tournament scene around this game. <laughs> yeah. So when I was at uh, when I was at which one was it? Uh, Pax Unplugged. Yeah. I I saw that there was a Star Realms just like fun like uh, you know friendly tournament, and I'd never done like a board game tournament at a convention before, but I really love Star Realms, so I figured I'd try my hand at it. I lost every game. <laughs> <laughs> And like I'm not, I don't think I'm this bad at Star Realms. This is a theme in your list. I don't no. think you have a game you're good at yet. I'm I'm not bad at Star Realms. Oh, okay. I I'm okay at it. It's just that we played, and every single game that mattered, I lost. We would play, uh, we would play uh, two out of three, I think, and then I would I would lose like two, and then it, we'd have time in between, you know, the this round and the next round. So we would play some more games, and I'd win those games. <laughs> I just wouldn't win the ones that mattered. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. that's that to me is a mark of a great game. If I lose a game repeatedly and still want to play it, that I think is a great game to me. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, obviously there's a ton of love out there for it. Here's my one question for you. Mm-hmm. Why Star Realms and not Hero Realms? I like sci-fi better. Uh, <laughs> I think they're basically the same. Um I I just like the sci-fi genre a little bit more than the fantasy genre. Uh, Let me pitch you before you head off into the bunker. Uh, theme aside, which of course is totally valid, if I had to pick one, I would definitely take Hero Realms, not only because I prefer fantasy to sci-fi, but because Hero Realms has more variety in the box. Hero Realms comes in the box with the, the same competitive you know, head-to-head that you're used to, but also a full-on campaign-driven uh, cooperative game as oh, well. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't, I didn't know that. I've, I've played Hero Realms a couple times, but I didn't know that it had the... Uh, or you know what? I could be wrong. Maybe that was an expansion that allowed for that. Well, the comments will let us lying. know, and they'll tell us who is right. Yes. So. Yes. Somebody will, will set the record straight. But, <laughs> boy, yeah, for the rest of your life. I mean, I, so, look, and, and, again, it was the replayability, the fact that it makes you feel good about yourself because you <laughs> win every once in a while, yes. and you wanted a deck builder. But you yeah. wanted a pure deck builder, not I, a game that, oh, hey, I'm at this big game, and we got some deck building, but it's just like a pure deck builder. Right, exactly. And if I'm going to go for a pure deck builder, this is the one I'm going to pick every time. Yeah. Uh, so. All right, so that's my number seven, Star Realms. Do you have anything to say to that, Ryan? Weak sauce, brothers, weak sauce. <laughs> oh, uh, going okay. from number seven up to one, I'm going to warn you, we're going to get a little bit heavy on my list. All right. Well, and I wanted to say, I don't mess I don't mess with dexterity games, because first off, 
That's like sports for your fingers. And I don't play no sports, so forget that. I don't want my hand to get all like ripped and bulky, so I don't mess with any of that stuff. Mm. Roller Wright Games, you said they exploded. Here's a trend I would like to see implode or unexplode is like, you know, like the, the cutesy names for Roland Wrights that are play on Roland Wright? Like there's one called Roland Wright. We're literally like that's Roland the guy's Wright. Name. Yeah. And we're like, it's a fantasy game, so we'll call it Trolling Wright. Eh, it's all finger guns. Uh, no more of that. That's lame and knock it off, please. I did not know you, you know, were um, going to be auditioning for the new uh, Triumph the Insult dog on this. Well, I mean, yeah. I just like, like, okay, we're going to do, like, uh, oh, hang on, i got to turn my camera back on. Give me two seconds. Okay, all right. We'll just, we'll just talk yeah, some, some, uh, some Well, I was going to say, like, gun. if you had, like, if you had, like, a DreamWorks-themed deck builder and you called it, like, a Shrek, but you called it the Shrek Builder, you'd be a dork, and that's dumb, so don't. Whoa. That that's all I'm saying. That's, where where is Shrek dumb. Builder? The car, the it's deck not, building game. It's I, I think I'd try it. I'm kind of on board with that, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the naming, fellas. It's not the mechanic. Anyway, no, it so, has so to be Shrek Builder now. Absolutely, it has to be that. Uh, I'm calling AEG or somebody right <laughs> after we're done with this. I mean, guys, the, uh, I've got a killer idea for New million dollar Kickstarter. Yep. <laughs> okay, listen up, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the meantime, smart guy, guy, tell us how it's done. What's your number seven? Yeah. Number seven, Terra Mystica. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, so Terra Mystica, if you don't know, it's a big map with hexes. You play a different fantasy race, but, man, theme doesn't matter. It could be anything. Uh, and, it's kind of, And it has really been. tacked on. Yeah. What is it, Gaia Project? Yeah, yeah, they've reskinned it Gaia Project. Yeah. It yep, could be yep. anything. So you pay, play a different uh, race that have different powers. It's an economic management game. You're moving cubes around. Uh, it's, it's, it's boring as heck. Uh, but for some reason, I really, really like it. And I don't remember liking it. I played with somebody. Your list and... so far has had, look, it's got its flaws. And yes, it's boring as heck. <laughs> so Terra Mystica, I played it with somebody. I played it a couple times. I was like, yeah, it was okay. That was fine. And then I went and I unboxed. I bought the expansion because I have an illness. And I unboxed it. And that was whatever. And I in the, even in the unboxing, I was like, it was really dismissive. I was like, I don't care about any of these pieces. I didn't really like Terra Mystica to begin with. Then... After I shot that unboxing, I replayed Terra Mystica. I was like, damn, I love this game. What a great game. And then I posted the unboxing, and I felt really bad that I was slagging it. Because I really, really like it. I just like it. It's good. It's very good. You're what not I don't like about it, that. though... Yeah. Let's say again? I'm, you're not alone in that opinion. I'm sure you oh, have sure, the no. goodwill of a lot of hardcore Euro geeks out there. Well, what I, what I don't care for is... First of all, I'm a huge theme guy, and it's not a theme game at all. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't dig that. I think it's pretty silly that the fantasy races, some of them are like witches and ogres, and some of them are like native Canadians. I was like, that's weird. Right? Some of them are like, one. yeah, some of them are Bedouins. And like, that's those are real people. Those aren't like... Okay, I see fake. what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. And in the in the expansion, they've got river walkers, which are just like the Cherokee, basically. Uh, you know, they've got moccasins and canoes. Come on, give me a break. It's just like hmm. weird that they made that a fantasy race. Bizarre. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so there's the, the bit of an issue with that. 
good old European games. To, yeah, to European and, developers, they are a fantasy race. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess so. I guess they are. And then the other thing that I, I don't dig is when a game comes out. So that game had a lot of tournament play going on. You mentioned tournament sure, play. Sure, yes. And so they, you know, posted a bunch of scores online. And then the designers figured out that certain races were definitely stronger than other races. So then they released Errata, and then they updated the Errata. So when you get the game, you don't have the complete picture. It's kind of like when you see a documentary, and then you go to Wikipedia to find out, like, what happened after the camera started rolling. You're like, oh, my gosh, the Tiger King has COVID-19 in jail, you know, that kind of thing. So you kind of have to go chase down the Errata to find out the, the what's the haps with the newest version of the game. Yep. You can print that out before the bunker doors close. I'm not worried about that. And <laughs> okay, actually, good, you're good, right. Good. I totally forgot they did this. And everybody loved them for it. And yet, cut to a few years later, Tapestry comes out. They say, look, we maybe need to do a little bit of errata on this. They do some yeah. errata, and they're public enemy number one. But right. Gaia Pro- or not Gaia Project, Terra Mystica. Well, good on you, they developers, for it. recognizing that everything can be improved. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Sorry, I don't need to make this a controversial <laughs> video. My question for you. I mean, I, 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 I don't think... I can't fault this. It's not for me, because I think it's... Really, the biggest problem with Terra Mystica is it's a terrible two-player implementation. They just didn't yeah. even care. Oh, sure. And I've never played it two-player, yeah. so I can't it, it's, it. it's, uh And they could have, with just the tiniest bit of extra work. And as I understand it, there's either a new expansion that has come out or is coming out soon that d- does address and balance mm-hmm. and tweak the game to make for a viable two-player experience also. But all that aside, why Terra Mystica and not Gaia Project? Uh, first, I've never played Gaia Project. Second, when it came out, I already owned Terra Mystica. Third, it was a hundred something bucks. <laughs> I thought, why would I rebuy this game for a hundred bucks when I already own it? And I thought, like, I almost didn't release my video for Terra Mystica because I thought, oh, the thing's done now. And then an expansion came out. And I was like, that's yeah. weird. And then recently another expansion came out. I'm like, oh. Hmm. So obviously it's it's found an audience, it's kept an audience, and obviously that audience shows it stands to the test of time, so throw it on the island. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think Terra Mystica is probably a bit more hardcore than Gaia. Gaia is a, gives is kind of loosens the reins a little bit, gives you a little mm. bit more flexibility. And I think uh, Terra Mystica players, one of the hardcore elite, one of the things they don't like is Gaia Project, the board is randomly generated as part of setup. Mm. Oh, they don't like random. They don't like that. They want it <laughs> nope, to be the exact same landscape random. every single time. So would you say it's kind of like going from Agricola to Caverna? Is it, that, 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 that Yes, that would be a very comparable. Mm. They're, they're still 90% the same DNA but, the, oh, there's a bunch of new shiny stuff. And the stalwarts say, uh, hi, we're not here for new shiny stuff. We want right. everything matte finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah. I, I, um, if, if I were a multiplayer gamer, I would have probably considered this one. Because, yeah, there's no denying it's brilliant. Although, again, having played both, I think Gaia Project is a superior. And in five years, you will change your tune because you will eventually play it. Right. <laughs> All right. Hey, that was the number sevens. We're done. Then let's go on to the uh, number sixes. Shay, tell me. So, number six, uh, I think that if I'm going to pare my collection down to just ten games, I need to have at least one party game. Um, Okay. So, I think, for me, the Hmm. most replayable party game is Telestrations. Um, it requires oh, only my your god. imagination. Is, is that a, oh my god! What, 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 is Sorry, that a good go, oh my god continue. Or a bad oh I'm my god. sure it's bad, Please and I love continue. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk it up. Yeah. So, I, uh, for the record, I hardly ever play any party games. I'm aware of the word telestrations. Okay. 
But what is it? Telestrations. It's a piece um, of paper with a pencil, and there's no reason to spend 20 bucks on it, Rado. Well, I don't apparently have pencil and paper on, des on my desert island. I have a coconut, so... You can draw on the sand with a stick. You don't need to buy this game. It's Eat Poop, You Cat, with branding. Sorry, go on, go on. Tell the people about it. I'm so, sorry. Telestrations, or some people know it as Telephone Pictionary. Uh, this is sort of a, okay. re like a physical re-implementation uh, re of... A folk game, uh, Telephone Pictionary, is Again, everyone... Hey, you're going, let, let me tell hey, 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 about hey, hey. the game, okay? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, everyone has a little whiteboard uh, on a little spiral-bound uh, thing, and you start by writing a word, or uh, the way I play it, you can write, maybe write a phrase, um, in this little uh, little box on the, first, on the first page. There's cards that the game comes with. Throw those away. You don't need them. Okay. Just use your Thereby imagination. Thereby feeding it, Ryan even less of a reason to buy the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What have we spent 20 bucks on now? We're throwing half the game away? Okay, go on. Money doesn't matter in this. Like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> These are just the games that you have. So yep. Money matters. That's why I didn't buy Gaia Project for 100 bucks. In, that's in the context of this top 10, money do, is not an issue. <laughs> okay. It just whether it's I wish available I known that provides So we have thrown the word so, cards away, and everybody gets to come right. up with their own word. So everyone gets to come up with their own word. Or um, you then or take uh, You then take your um, pad, you pass it to the person on the left. Everyone in a circle does this. Um, so then you look at the, the pad you just got, you see a word, you flip the thing over, you draw the word you just uh, you just saw, and then everyone, once everyone's done that, okay. you pass that over. Now you yep. have a picture, and you flip that over, and you write uh, a word or a short phrase describing ah. the thing you okay. just saw. And then you all keep right. passing it all the way around until you get your own, uh, uh, your original tablet back. Uh, and then you go around in a circle with everybody saying, uh, okay, this is what I started with. Flip the thing over. This is what this person drew. Okay, I see where you're going with this. Let's see how they did. You flip that over. Oh, that phrase is not what I wrote. Um, and it mm. just devolves uh, into something very silly. And what I love about this is that, uh, sure, if you're a good artist, that works well. You're writing on a whiteboard with a thick uh, you know, dry erase marker, so it's difficult to be you know, good and detailed with these drawings. Sure. But if you're a bad artist, like I am, that's fine, too. Another uh, thing you're bad at. <laughs> this whole list is going to be a litany he of all the things always loses at drawing pictures. You did say you were a masochist. So, of course, yes. you wanted to bring nothing but pain and suffering for you for the rest exactly. of the Exactly. Gotcha. Um, so, you have... Uh, so, even if you're, you do a poor job drawing, uh, you might still be able to get the message across. But even if you can't, that's funny, too. And it's just a, a, a simple way to get people around and just have a fun time kind of laughing at the the silly you know uh connections that you all make yep. it's a very simple game yes it is a re-implementation of something you can do with a pad and paper i used to do that before i had telestrations but i will say having the whiteboard is just nice like it is yep. a nice thing to have the limitations of you've got this thing uh flip it over pass it to the next person um even well, though i'll go one step further and say i do think it's a, it is it, adhering to the at least the spirit of the rules that I laid out, which not everybody in this call particularly cared for, because otherwise we should just say, oh, I just want a, a deck of 52 cards, because then yeah. I can do anything with that. Um, exactly. I mean, you're identifying yeah. telestrations in terms of a gameplay experience mm -hmm. is one of the, the... If you can only have 10 gameplay experiences for the rest of your life, you want one of them to be... Whatever form it came in, whether it was the commercial exactly. box or you just took some notepads and some pencils or whatever, that that, of all the party games that are out there, and this is my question to you. I mean, this is pretty 
ancient party game technology, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. why not? I mean, it do- doesn't just one. It goes just back to Papyrus. You know, I, or, I am know. not a huge fan of just one. Weirdly really? enough, I think it's fine. I, I, I wouldn't say no to playing it, but uh, I like the visual aspect. I think how uh, how like wacky you can get with the drawings um, is yeah. great, and I think it really showcases creativity. I think that. A lot of party games, uh, maybe party games that I like better right now, will not last the test of time because they're reliant on cards or some other physical component that doesn't change every time you play it, even if they have a, a very large deck of cards or something like that. Right. Um, you, I think inevitably with these games, you sort of develop your own shorthand or your own uh, kind of tricks for for how to interpret whatever the materials that you get are. So with a game that uh, requires you to just provide the prompts, or, I mean, this game does come with cards, but it's very easy to, you know, provide the prompts, and then from that, provide the pictures, I think that that's endlessly replayable. Yeah. Because of the nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm going to challenge you on the word play. Because you know what you could have put in here? You could have said, uh, my, my game at number seven or six, whatever we're on, is, is eating grapes. You're because real salty about m- this. Well, it's I as know. much of a game as Telestrations is. I disagree. And it's so funny that you said, oh, it's based what, on okay, then telephone the argument, Pictionary. That, I mean, I, I can hear some people uh, saying that this is less of a game and more of a shared experience. It's a pastime. It's, but that's, what, I mean, love but that's it. why you we, love it, right? You, you we play want to, camping. I, you I want, want to carry that faulting. shared experience with you for the rest of time. Yeah, exactly. I'm not faulting it at Do all. Do you but play we... competitive um, Telestrations? I don't play competitive Telestrations, but you easily could. Yeah, but that's. No, I don't think that's the point of the what? game. What is happening? You couldn't play that competitively. Yeah, you could just make There's up a no rule good. of like whoever no... is the most successful at getting from A to B is the winner. But that, but that's the same thing as like you wouldn't like but, no one that I know actually plays you know what apples to apples no, competitively, even though there's but that, rules that for competition. Torpe- on oh, it. The- if you were to, oh my god, that would getting most efficiently from A to B would defeat the whole enjoyable aspect of the pastime. Yeah, so make up a rule. Wait a minute, of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did, around, you just, like, did you just admit it's an enjoyable pastime? <laughs> I love it. We play camping all the time. It's great. There it's you go. not a game. I, it's okay, not a game. That, the whole thing of like it's it is a game or is not a game. I always think is such an elitist like argument of it's oh, like oh, it's not elitist, son. I'm a ludology. I'm a game designer <laughs> by trade. It's not a game. I can I can you, promise. You just you. said I, it's I not elitist, and then put your credentials of how you are the one yes. who can uh, <laughs> can decide what is or is not a game. Okay, <laughs> yes. that's like the definition of elitism. Well, that's like a doctor saying that doctor can decide who is ill. You know, like that isn't that how doctors work? I don't if know. you would also like to take this opportunity, that if I were to say something is decimated, that you will only interpret that as, oh, it lost one tenth, one out of every ten of its units. A language evolves, Ryan. It's okay. We're gonna get through this. It's okay. I love it's, it. Though. Sure, I love it. It's not a game. I love it. It's great. It to it's be. good time. But the Which fact that you've spent twenty bucks on it is is is. Uh, yeah. It, 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 curious. <laughs> All right. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. That would give be you, so like, controversial. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not giving you any shade from what you're spending on your money on. You were giving me shade for uh, putting uh, Star Realms in when that's too cheap. So I don't know what the metrics are here. Fair. Uh, fair. So I, I'd yes. say I'd say we'll, we'll say that it is, is enjoyable for everyone, even though there's disagreement. And perhaps let's move on to the next one. Before we continue, okay. I would like to interject here because I'm already starting to imagine the comment section. Um, 
And folks, I knew this was going to be the most controversial one, but I was like, I got to put this in because it's, no, it's just I, such I, I a fun it. game. I mean, it, this is, I mean, you want joy for the rest of your life. Yeah. This sparks joy. Of course you'll take it because you aren't allowed any other game experience mm-hmm. or shared... Uh, so do grapes. Uh, got, grapes but spark anyway, joy. Um, I, one of the things I told the guys, everybody, before we started, hey, feel free to let loose. This, uh, I'm all about, you know, good-natured ribbing and fun. I am imagining, occasionally, you go and read the uh, comment threads on a Dice Tower top ten, where, you know, they're, they're doing a lot back and forth, and it's just nothing but page after page of, man, they really hate each other. Whoa, that was really <laughs> awkward to watch. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, they're going to break up the band, aren't they? Folks, w- w- Ryan's having fun. Yeah. It just, just, I just want to get that clear now. Um, I'm having an immense amount of fun. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're all having fun here. Yes. And with that out, caveat out of the way, Ryan, we will both try to be very, very cruel to whatever your number six choice is. What do you got? <laughs> okay. Uh, are we on number six? Yes, we are. Yes. yes. Uh, my number six is Telestrations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. He convinced me. He made the greatest case for it. Look, you're jealous uh, you didn't think of it. I get it. I am. But... Now I've changed my number six to number one. They're all telestrations now. Uh... <laughs> telestration <laughs> variants, <laughs> you mean. Telestrations. Telestrations after dark. Te- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tel- telestrations duet. Yeah. Telestrations rolling right. Uh, my number six is Alchemists. Wow, really? Oh, yes. Okay, so you're doing that just so you can have a, an infinite-powered uh, iPhone. Or Android. That's right? it. It needs to be charged the entire time. Now, you can play Alchemists without the app. I, I, we'll come back it. to that at the end. Tell us about <laughs> Alchemists. Well, I will say you don't want to play this without the app. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> at all. Uh, because then one person can't play. But Alchemists is a... Uh, it's probably the funniest game in my collection. Wow. It's a parody, a send-up of, uh, of Academia, Oh, I see I what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what it is, is you are all playing uh, competing uh, professor magicians or student... Ma- no, you're professor yes, magicians. Yes, you're professors. You get uh, right. uh, student uh, assistants, yeah. That, that's right, yeah. So you're at a university, you're professor magicians, you're alchemists, and you are collecting ingredients that are on cards, and there are alchemicals, so there are magical chemicals... Uh, that underlie these ingredients, but you don't know which ones underlie which ingredients. And that's part of the game is to figure out that. So you can actually take your two cards and put them in your little cauldron stand and uh, photograph it with the app, and it's like an AR thing, and it'll tell you that a mushroom plus a toad equals uh, a certain... It doesn't tell you which alchemical, but it'll give you a certain aspect, a hint towards the alchemical. And then you have a whole grid where you're figuring out essentially a, a logic puzzle game uh, where you're eliminating options and, and trying to piece it together. But the fun part is that uh, you kind of have to throw that all out the window because you get the most points and the most money by publishing your findings in the, you know, the, in the magical papers. And you have to go on half-assed information. We can say ass on the channel, can't we? <laughs> I think we just Half- did. Half-bottomed information, you have to sort of like throw it out there and publish your findings and definitively declare that this that mushroom is this alchemical, and then other people can come in and if if they got better information later in the game, they can be like, no, that's completely wrong, yeah. and they can debunk your theories and totally like destroy your academic work. It's uh, it's hilarious and it's very heavy and very complicated and and it's really funny when you're testing potions, um, you can you can test it on a student, yes. but if somebody else tests it on the student and poisons them, then you have to pay the student to drink your potion, yep. 
or you can drink it yourself. And if you drink it yourself, you could end up in the hospital. It's awesome. It is. It is awesome. And obviously, the only question is, have you ever played it without an app? And just had a friend who just happened to be in the area. Hey, hey, you need to come back over here and tell us something. Because that's the thing. Um, this is effectively a next-generation mastermind. But with a whole bunch of amazing stuff sure. layered all around yep. it. But still, the heart of the game is, oh, I'm taking an educated guess and determining a little bit of information about how I've combined these things. And you have an app that gives you that information. Because no player is allowed to know. Uh, otherwise, yeah. the whole game would be ruined. And so the game comes with an option where, hey, you've got this kind of offline version where there could be a player who doesn't get to play and who just sits there for two hours telling you, um, yeah, here, here's, what, here's what you found out about that. So the and game comes with a ledgerman, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you ever had somebody filling that role in your game, I wouldn't call that person a friend because yeah. I would never ask a friend to do that. Okay, so that would be corn- that would be you know. the punishment that is meted out in your new <laughs> fledgling um, post-apocalypse society. Right. Fair if enough. you're the outcast, you have to go DM a game of alchemist. All right. I, that, that that adds up. That tracks. I, I think that'll work. Okay. I um, so I I've, I've played uh, Alchemist once. It's been a while since I played. Yeah. It. I remember enjoying it, but like I I I just haven't played it enough. I probably would would uh, would agree that like it is very replayable. I just it's been so long since I played it. Um, but yeah, I we think, were supposed to tear this one down. We were I know. I want that. to. I want to say something Try. like, "Oh, it's an app based game or something." But no, I remember liking this game. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like saying like, "Oh, I really like Overwatch," and then somebody's like, "Yeah, but you need a computer to play it." Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, you know. Yep. That is true. I need to scratch Overwatch off. Well, well, what I what I will say though about Alchemist is I think they do something very interesting. Which it, for what I felt when I played it is that I personally hate it when you're playing a video game and and they pad out the experience by adding crafting mechanics. Um, mm. And of okay. like, and here it comes. This, but this is a game. This is a board game that is literally taking that random like crafting mechanic from you know Skyrim or whatever. Um, and turning that into a large part of the gaming experience, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel tacked on it in any way. I think, I mean, because it's the core, you know, uh, yeah, it's central imp- implementation yeah. of the game. So what I was surprised about when I played it was how much I enjoyed that, considering how little I enjoy that experience when I'm playing a video game that does it. Okay, so, oh, so once again, he turns good. it around into a positive. I'm a yeah. good guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not the Black Knight of this group. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll find something to tear apart soon. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, yeah, we'll get there. All right, well, here we go. Uh, my number six. Uh, five years ago, on my list, I had Forbidden Desert. And that was probably, at the time, the most controversial entry. Everybody said, why Forbidden Desert? Why not Pandemic? What is wrong with your brain? And five years ago, I still stand by that. Because, again, looking at it through the lens of a game I'm going to play hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times... I do think Base Forbidden Desert, because it has that extra fun twist of you know, the sliding puzzle of the board, it, it had legs. But I do like Pandemic more, which is why my number six... Sorry, I have like a history lesson I have to go through because this is a follow-up <laughs> for me. My number six is now Pandemic Legacy Season 1, mm. which mm-hmm. came out, I think, like three or four months after I did this list uh, five years ago. And people might say, that's even more insane! Putting a legacy game on your list? You play through it once and then you have to burn it for warmth. What's wrong with you? (laughs) And 
I, I respectfully submit to anybody who thinks that you're wrong. My wife and I have played our, we have kept our copy of Pandemic Legacy Season 1, and we have played probably a half dozen games on that board. Because here's what happens. I'm not going to spoil anything. I know the moratorium is over. I can hmm. probably say whatever I want, but I won't. I, yeah, okay, well, no spoilers. Ooh, I'm really going to spoil it now. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Payback. Payback, baby. Um, everybody understands the idea of a legacy game is that over the course of a, of a campaign, you are going to make decisions that irreparably change the game. Uh, components get destroyed. Components get altered forever with pen or ripping things up or putting stickers on and stuff like that. And, of course, you know, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 does that. At the end of the game... What happens is you have, through 12 missions, I recall correctly, 12 chapters, you and whoever you played with have created your own customized, unique version of Pandemic that is, coincidentally, 100% compatible with all of the other Pandemic expansions. Not that we have any of those in this bunker scenario, but more importantly, you have got a customized version of Pandemic that has about three expansions worth of content in the box, quite frankly. Um, oh, and so you're cheating. Okay, cool. I, I get it. Yes, I am totally <laughs> cheating. I am having my cake and eating it too. Uh, I didn't, I, at no point have I done a big box thing. I thought that was a, a bridge too far to like say, um, you know, Alhambra or Fresco, the big box, sure. where it's literally. Um, but I mean, you can, you, you can play Pandemic forever, Legacy forever, just using the standard Pandemic rules with your customized board. Or you can continue to merge in. Uh, it basically gives you a, uh, a a game design toolkit because you can continue to use the rules that introduced all these other elements. This is one of the rare times in my life, uh, post my video game design career, where I said, hey, this is fun. I'm going to take all this stuff and figure out how to make it continue to work. And I've actually posted several different variants of how you can have Pandemic Legacy Season 1 continue to be an evergreen title that is better than most games on the market. Which is why Pandemic Legacy Season 1 is literally my number one ranked game of all time. It's my number six on the list, because as much as I love it, there are still things coming ahead that do what it does and fills a niche even better. But Pandemic Legacy Season 1... I love Pandemic with all my heart and soul. I have a, heart, a huge nostalgic fondness for it because it's what brought us in. And with once you finish the campaign, um, the game has just begun as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm curious to know how well you did through your uh, campaign. So like, ah, yes. Like what, what is the state of your board at the end of it? Because I, I, I play like... Pandemic Legacy Season 1 as a two-player game. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows Pandemic is always easier at lower player counts. So we have a... Well, again, without going into spoilers, I would say we have a slightly scarred world. Okay. And I have certainly seen other people's Pandemic Legacy boards where, oh my god, the, the, the board is literally on fire. Uh, yeah. Based on... Yeah, and maybe that was your experience. Here's the thing, though. Those stickers, the, the adhesive comes off really easy. Yeah. They just pop right off. And mm -hmm. um, you can, if you choose to, once you're done, basically reset the entire thing to be regular Pandemic. Or you can just say, hey, you know what? This time we're going to play with all of the consequences of our actions. Or another time, let's just ignore those, won't spoil what they are things, and just play regular. And that's how you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I played it with a with a four player group, and by the end of our game, it, the world did not look uh, as, as it once did. I, I will say that. Um, but here's the thing: you, I would be willing to bet you could still play that board. Like I said, yeah. you have 
You could either play that as regular Pandemic or as a custom design board that is a hellish nightscape yeah. or, or you know, nightmare for you to try to you, deal with. You're making um, me think about sure. it. I haven't. We never tried like it, but... You're turning the difficulty level up, and yeah. you can compensate for that by you know decreasing the difficulty in other ways, having fewer Epidemic cards in the main deck because we have a harder world to deal with because it's broken, um, <laughs> or put more event cards in the player or you know, um, you know player power cards. So you can compensate for that very easily, and then. Yeah. I, I would, I no matter how bad the situation is in your world, I bet you it would still be an interesting board to play on. We would just have to tweak the difficulty to make up for the fact that, yeah, the world's in a bad place in your your world. Yeah. I have a friend uh, named Derek who's actually played the game, I think, three times now. With three different new, copies? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not sure how that works okay. because I've never played, but yeah. he's... Uh, he just really wanted to see the twists and turns unfold for new people and introduce them to it. So sure, he sure. sat through. It's like watching a, a whole TV season with somebody, you know. Yep. Yeah. It's. I mean, I we my wife and I we have played it all the way through twice. Once just the two of us, and I, I we did actually play it again as a four player game with a couple of friends. And um, but we're all really experienced pandemic players, so it was still not too terribly beaten up our world. Uh, but like I said, Shay, if you didn't destroy it or if you didn't turn it into a wall mural like many people did, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, a little box diorama, you know, pull it back off the wall, I, I think you could still have fun playing it. I might have to try it. It's at a friend's house, so I, you know, we'll have to wait until the pandemic's over. But uh, uh, I think I think we might try and do that because yeah, that just sounds really interesting. Yeah, just play it on easy mode. You only have three epidemic cards or four yeah. epidemic cards instead of, you know, the normal five to make up for the fact that you have other problems if you play that board. <laughs> Uh, I will ask you the the I think what everyone wants to know though. Yes. Which box are you bringing? The blue or the red? Ooh, good one. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't think about that, did you? That throws me <laughs> for a loop. Jeez, Louise. And what now, Rado? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do, Hotshot? What do mm-hmm. you do? Um, I think blue. We played. We played a blue. Oh, you said blue. Red, which, for the record, folks. <laughs> It doesn't matter. People <laughs> yeah. still to this day ask, well, should I buy the blue or the red? They're the exact same, the same game. Thing. It's just the box art. I always um, thought that was so strange. My wife's favorite color is blue, so I'm going to go blue. But... All right. Hey, we have finished um, our sixes, have we? Yeah. Yes, we have. Halfway right. through. Yeah. We're halfway through at an hour and a half. Yay. Didn't you say, Shay, right up front that you wanted to keep this snappy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, folks, you can talk. You can stop. Take a break. Come back. We'll be here. We're just going to continue though with uh, number five. Ryan, what's your number five? My number five is Keyflower. Wow, excellent! I am Love liking your bunker more and game. more. Except there's a salty curmudgeon living in it. <laughs> uh, I so Keyflower really quickly is uh, a worker placement bidding auction game where you're bidding on tiles yeah. to put them in your little. Uh, town the theme is it's kind of like a pilgrim thing there are uh, new settlers arriving on on boats and you get access to some of them depending on what you do and what i really like about it is that once you use your meeples to bid for tiles and they they go into your town um now your tiles and everybody else's tiles in their town and all even all the tiles in the middle that you're bidding on you can their powers are activatable so people can put their meeples on the tiles in your town to juice them for resources whatever they want to do yeah. but then at the end of the round those meeples that they put in your town are now your meeples and then yes. you can use them for bidding or activating in the next round it's uh, really smart and it's one of the few games that i have on this top 10 list that isn't oozing with theme 
No, you shut your mouth. You really? shut your mouth. That is, oh, a, it is a very thematic thing. Here's the thing, though. The reason that the developers, this is my own personal pet theory, do not put the theme front uh, forward, you know, front facing, is because it's a really dark theme. Why the is it that, oh, kind of thing? when I put red meeples on this thing, now the blue meeples can't go there anymore? Yeah. Racial divides. Um, <laughs> it's actually a, a pretty. If you actually dig deep into what's going on there, oh yeah, we 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 can't work with those dirty French, um, you know, or, or whatever. But it, uh, to me, it all is very thematically justified. It's just kind of a, uh, yeah, mankind doesn't always work well together. Kind of a theme. <laughs> And I don't know if that great. improves it's smart. it. For I love you, it, and I can play. It's one of the uh, it's one of the only games I have in my collection where this it, you know it's a three hour long play. The moment yeah. we finish, I'm like set it up again. I want to play again. I just really it is compelling. amazing. <laughs> it is in my top ten of all time. Um, and yeah, I mean the auctioning is great. The fact that you are bidding with your workers. All right, now I can't do the work that I actually bid yeah. so high to get this de- tile. Right and, now, you know, I've got oh, nobody left to, to put on it. Yeah. Oh, and, and the also, other thing, if you want to. You can play it so mean. It can be a very aggressive, oh, denial, yeah. cutthroaty type experience. Well, I love um, that you can spend all these resources flipping a tile to make it better, but when you do that, you've now exposed it to all yep. the other players to play on it. We're open for business. Yeah, exactly. And somebody else comes over and gives, oh, you gave me a blue meeple. Fantastic. Yep. You know I don't have any blue meeples, and therefore I can't use my own upgraded building now. Yep. And yep. then just like in Catan, you know, in, in or Catan, I pronounce it differently because I'm allergic, but you know how you can put uh, a settlement on either end of that hex and now you've locked the whole hex off? Yep. Um, so in Keyflower, uh, there's a capacity to the number of meeples that can be on a tile. So if you just slam three three meeples down on an empty tile, that's it. Like you've hosed it for everybody. It's You are you know, a monster if you do that. That's oh, great. <laughs> it's, yep, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. I don't know if you played it, Shay, but it is. I, I unfortunately haven't gotten a chance to, to play it. Um, I don't play a lot of bidding games, to be honest, but uh, yeah. it sounds interesting. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, I'm with you. But this one, it, I don't know, it does it. It's a hit. Yeah, it Ooh. is It is an absolutely brilliant game. Um, all right. Ooh. So that was number sixes, wasn't it? Uh, no, yeah. no. Wait, no. Yes. That was first number fives? Yep, first to five. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is first of five. Yeah, I know where I am. <laughs> um, all righty. And then, okay, I will tell you my five, number five. I think I said right up front, I took Glory to Rome off my list. Uh, I had it before, and I would still have it. It's such a brilliant game, infinite replayability, but impossible to get. And I just didn't, I, I told the guys right up front, I didn't want to be, this to be a list full of weird esoteric things that people who are interested, oh, I'd like to find out more. Yes, it costs $500. No. <laughs> so I removed Glory to Rome, and I replaced it with the newest game on my list, the Isle of Cats. Ah. ah. Yes. Um, Jen and I love this game to pieces so much. And it offers so much game in a box. It is so chock full. It's a drafting game. All our Seven Wonders or Sushi Go. So it ticks a box there because my wife and I really love drafting games. It is a polyomino Tetris tile laying game. A tile laying is one of my favorite gameplay mechanisms. And like I said earlier, Roland Wrights are having a huge explosion. So are polyomino games. I re- I put this on the list when I thought, I would really like a Tetrisy style tile layer. Which one should I do? And there's some really amazing candidates, but Isle of the Cats, uh, I'll... Isle of Cats rose to the cream, to the top of the whatever it's in, whatever barrel it's in. And 
Yeah, I, I love the presentation. I love the sense of humor. I love the gameplay. It's got so much replayability, so many different variable objective cards that you can draft for and powers and all of that. And if all that weren't enough, this is normally not my first consideration, but people don't seem to appreciate the fact it comes with a brilliant gateway version that you can play with. So, I mean, you, you can play it as a hardcore gamer geek game, or it's a wonderful gateway. Um, if, if you know somebody who just likes the idea of cats um, and likes Tetris, it, it, it just works for everybody. It is a game for all seasons. I know expansion content has been a big hit, is, is on its way, but it doesn't need it. It's such a big box, and it's chock full of brilliance. It's my number five, The Isle of Cats. Am I crazy? I haven't had a chance to play it, but I really, really want to. Um, yeah. People are going to be expecting me to have played it because I have this blanket in my background, which is just cats and hearts on it. But uh, it's it, it's a game that I've had my eye on. I really want to try it. I just haven't had the chance yet. Um, yeah. Well, it, it is still fairly really new. cool. I mean, it's brand spanking new. It only just barely came out in December of 2019. Although most people didn't get access to it till like February, I think. Yeah. Um, you, have you played it, Ryan? Uh, I can't comment. Only that uh, I th- is it called the Isle of Cats or just it Isle is of unfortunately Cats? called the Isle of Cats. Oh is, no, because somebody told me that it was like a punny title, like I love cats. Yeah. Yes, that's no, what it but should be. But it, perhaps you yeah, prefer should, that yeah. it's not. It's officially the Isle of Cats. Uh, the last cat game game I played was Cat Lady, which I quite enjoyed, and my mm. kids really like playing that too. So I haven't tried it, but one of my viewers recommended Isle of Cats to me, and to have my daughters actually teach people how to play it. I, you know what, honestly, that would be a I, I think that would be a perfect fit, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. That would work awesome. great. Yeah, for the for the for the gateway for the family variant that comes in the box. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was it. No, was it? Nope. I haven't done my. No, uh, it's not. Yes, it's Shay. It, yes, it's Shay. Yes. How dare yeah. you? It was Ryan, the me, then Shay. <laughs> I'm. I know what I'm doing. So my number five is Cosmic Encounter. Um, Cosmic okay. Encounter is kind I of think a classic. You're on the wrong channel, Shay. <laughs> oh. No, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. Obviously, yeah. Cosmic Encounter has more than earned its place in the pantheon of, of you know, influential board games. But tell us more. It is definitely a, people a would classic, not see hear about this on my channel. Yeah, uh, of the um, uh, of the negotiation uh, game genre, I I really like the theme of it. Uh, I I like sci-fi games, um, and uh, I love the weirdness of it. But the so. Uh, what happens in, in Cosmic Encounter is everyone is assigned a different alien race at the beginning of the game, and these races are wildly different. And there's like fifty to choose from, even in just the base box. Uh, and so, did you say five zero? I think oh, so. There's a yeah. huge stack of these Jeez, Louise, uh, different I had no aliens. Idea. It was that much. And oh, that's yeah. and that's one of the big reasons why it's on my list is because there are so many different aliens in this game. That every time you play, it's going to be different. Yeah. Uh, but the the core of the game is you start with five worlds. You have a bunch of little spaceships uh, on your worlds, and every turn you're going to draw a card that tells you who you're going to attack. Um, you send some ships in that direction, uh, and then you you can ask for help uh, from uh, your other players. They can ask for help uh, from the other players. Um, you'll get benefits uh, either way um, if you're helping the attacker or helping the defender, but. Um, you don't necessarily want to do that because you're risking your own ships to do so. And then the two players can negotiate a little bit uh, if they want to. They will play some cards. Sometimes those cards are just attack values. Sometimes they are special abilities. And sometimes they're negotiate. And if both players negotiate, then they can um, then they can enter a negotiation and both uh, get something out of it. But if one player plays a negotiate and the other player plays an attack card, the attacking player automatically wins. Yeah. 
But every single rule I've just mentioned can be broken by a different <laughs> alien race. Insanely broken. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I wouldn't necessarily call this game balanced. Some of the aliens are just stronger than others. However, yeah. the balance comes from you are playing this game with multiple people yeah. and you look at what everyone has. And and this is why I think it's great, uh, a great game at, for repeated playing is because once you have an idea of how the game works and can spot which aliens are a little bit stronger than others, you now have an idea of who to watch out for, which player to watch out for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is and which is, race to watch out for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's a self-balancing kind of uh, aspect of the game. But weirdly enough, this game I wouldn't necessarily put in my top 10 of all time. Okay. Um, because I have difficulty getting it to the table. I think it's yeah. really good with four players or five players. Three, you can you can make it work. I don't want to play it with two at all. Um, yeah. And that, so that's a little bit difficult for me. However, in this hypothetical scenario, trapped in a bunker with enough people to play any game that I and want. And they have no choice. And they have no choice. They can do. Exactly. Yeah, it becomes perfect because you start to see, how, like, everyone starts to become familiar with the game. Everyone starts to know all these different races. And then the the fun of it is also just rearranging all the different aliens that you're working with and seeing how every, you know, rule change bashes up against each other. I think that it, it is endlessly replayable in that sense. There's, yeah. I mean, not literally infinite, but... Uh, functionally infinite variability in the just the setup of the game. And so to that end, I think that it is a perfect game for uh, this kind of scenario. Perfect. So. I, I, I imagine even Ryan can't argue with that. It's a great pick. I bought it on Tom Vassell's recommendation, which I'm sure a lot of other people did, yes. but I've never seen a game so polarizing. Like I've pulled yeah. it out at a couple of group events and cons, and yeah. people will say, I will not play Cosmic Encounter ever and I'm oh, like whoa I never I'm, get that from anyone I'm Would sure people have had bad experiences with this game I, I've had a bad experience with, with Cosmic Encounter but uh, I don't know for I, me I just I love wanted it. to keep going I back it's, it's like it, the closest thing I can, I can I can see to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy the game in its absurdity yeah. yes. which yes. is fantastic um, and I have had probably the most fun in a single session of a specific I'm thinking of a specific one where I was playing with all game designers and we played the hmm. game and it was the most fun I've ever had playing a board game and like n- nobody will play it with me now my family doesn't like it I can't take it to cons <laughs> all right it's a great game though yeah someday I will have to play this it's, it's definitely on my bucket list obviously it's not my kind of thing actually I, I don't like conflict but I love negotiation huh. and two-player negotiation games are few and far between so yeah. Yeah, someday. Oh, you don't want to play this two-player, though, Rado. Yeah, no, I know. you really don't. Although, there, I guess there is a two-player version coming, right? Really? Cosmic Encounter Duel, I think, is oh. specifically a two a made to be two-player. I imagine they probably change a lot of the core precepts they, of the game. They would have to. They would have yeah. to, yeah. But maybe, maybe they're just trying to, to keep like, the spirit of it. Everyone yeah. plays five aliens, I'm guessing, or something like that, you know? Something. Yeah, I have no idea. But anyway, oh, we're to number four now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, right? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Then I will start with my number four, which did make the list last time. Is this my first one that's a crossover from previous? No, I mean, I had Shadowrun Crossfire. I just had to change editions. But uh, Twa, or Mm. Troyes, if you prefer, (laughs) has to stay on my list. Um, Troyes, or Twa, 
Uh, you know, it's here at my number four, which means if I can only have four games, it's one of the ones that made the list. And this one kills so many other games because it is the epitome of what my wife and I enjoy. It is a dry, soulless Euro through and through. We are, you know, unnamed, uh, uh, you know, uh, royalty or ma- administrative stuff or uh, nobility, uh, just trying to build up a successful French city and uh, dealing with all kinds of problems. Uh, you know, trying to pursue our own agendas. We all have secret goals. I love the fact that in this game, even though I start with a secret goal, if you can figure out what I'm actually doing, you can beat me at my own secret goal. And so we have to be circumspect in how we actually per- or pursue our agenda. I don't know if everybody plays that way, but Jen and I, we played it enough that we are always... Why did he go there? That was not his best move. Ah, I know what he's after. Um, but the crux of the game is it's a dice draft. Everybody has a group of dice that represent workers, you know, the, the people of the of the town that you can bend to your will. And um, we all have a collection that's probably unique to us based on what we've invested in. At the game around, we roll them, we put them in front of ourselves, and then we say, oh, these are the dice I'll be able to use this turn, but these dice I'll be able to do this, 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 or this. Except when it's your turn, if you like my dice... You can hire them. You give me money and you take my dice. And um, some people are shocked that I would put this in my top 10 of all time, let alone something I would take into the bunker. But Jen and I, we never really think of that as an aggressive or mean move because all these people who are sitting in front of me, yeah, I'm the one who rounded them up, but I don't own these people. And I'm figuring, hey, you know what? I don't even want half of them. Right now, the way you rolled, I'd rather pay money to get yours. Or the dummy player in a three-player game. It has a very nice dummy player system that's really simple. I don't think anybody would be put off by. It. But um, you know, there it's it's got really great tension um, from all the euro building mechanisms. A ton of it's a point salad game. I know some people don't like that, but there's lots of different things you can pursue, and they all are different ways to score points. Uh, you've got the secret objectives that you need to keep secret, and you've got that interaction where, hey, take my dice. I am broke. I am happily say goodbye to them, and um, once I've got that money, I'll be able to achieve the thing I really want to do. And if all that weren't enough, there are external forces. Every round, new cards come out that represent present disasters or plague or raiders and um, before we can get to doing what we want to do as players we all have to work in almost a kind of semi-cooperative mode where we have to save the town from all the problems and if we don't those problems continue to accrue and mess up everybody's game throughout i love everything about this game i know it's a a marmite but i love the art style which is very evocative of you know true to the time medieval renaissance era art and uh, yeah i could play it a million times and and still be enjoying the heck out of it and it's my number four troyes now i'm going to pose you the gaia project question yeah why trois and not black angel that is a very good question, and honestly, I fully expected Black Angel, which is basically Twa in space, which came <laughs> out last year. I thought it was going to eclipse it, and and actually, strictly speaking, just you know, a, a, a dispassionate, objective review of the mechanisms, I do think that um, uh, Black Angel is arguably the better game, the richer game with more interesting stuff going on, more variety. But there's one big thing that they didn't do. It's the cards. 
Every time you play Trois, you are going to get such a radically different set of uh, cards that are put into play that are uh, things you can leverage and take advantage of, cards that are going to attack the city, cards that represent our objectives, and um, they're not all, you know, there's not a lot of, hey, these three cards are pretty much all the same thing, except this one's for red dice and this one's for white dice. Every There's so much variety, and that's the one thing that Black Angel is missing. Black Angel does have a fair bit of variety, but it, it really plays it safe. It doesn't have a lot of cards that are like, whoa, this may, if, if this card comes into play, I radically rethink how the entire game works. Um, and because my main um, metric for this is games that I know I'll be able to play hundreds and hundreds of times, Twa has more variability, more wild variety. It's more Cosmic Encounter style <laughs> setup than Black Angel does. I expect Black Angel will eventually get an expansion. I, I, my guess is they didn't do that with the base game because Black Angel is so much bigger and so much more dense and so much stuff going on. They decide, hey, let's not overwhelm the players. Let's save that stuff for the expansion. Whereas it does come in the base game of Twa. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, and uh, that's that. Anything uh, to say yeah, on that? So that the Rado. Uh, it's unfortunately another game that I haven't uh, been able to to try yet, but um, sounds good. Stick around, kid. Stay on this <laughs> channel. You'll you'll have new doors open. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um a lot of like classic Euro games that I haven't just gotten around to because I, I while when I play them I enjoy them. It's one of those things of I I have a the, the fault of judging books by their cover and so if I yeah. see something that looks oh. very beige or very oh. like just dry theme then it, oh there's it's beige harder. in my future oh yes yeah. 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 it's hard, hard, hard to, to the get to the table beige is a feature of that game really <laughs> yeah yeah yes it's it like, leans into the beige okay. <laughs> yeah they sell it on the back yeah. on the right <laughs> more beige. 18 shades of beige! Ooh. 10 more than ever well, seen that, before! 18's in the expansion. Come on, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. All right, well, that was my number four. Shay, what is your number four? So my number four is uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Wow, really? Yeah, I, right. I really like Quacks. And a lot of people love that game. Oh, I man, think, that game is so hot right now. And it's, it's really good. I think there is a good amount of variety. Uh, so Quacks of Quedlinburg, you are an, uh, a potion maker, um, but you're kind of you know uh, a charlatan at the same time. You're just making your potions out of whatever bits and bobs that you can find. And they have a tendency to explode, so it's very much a yes. push your luck game. You're you're pulling uh, chits out of a bag and you're placing them in the spiral board uh, in front of you. That is your cauldron where you're making your potion. And depending on how much, how many ingredients you can put in, that will give you uh, money to spend in uh, in the uh, last part of the round where you're buying new ingredients, um, or it'll give you points uh, depending on how far you go. Um, but if you uh, and if you can manage to make your potion without exploding, you'll get both of those things. But if you bust, which happens a fair amount of the time, then you'll have to choose one or the other. So it presents you with an interesting choice of when do you uh, keep going or when do you stop. But yeah. even if you even if you bust, you still get something, which I really like. Yeah. And there's a, a good amount of replayability in that all of the ingredients, while yes. they're represented by the same chits... Um, you get to have different. Uh, each of them will have different abilities based on what side of the board of the like the little card uh, for each item uh, that you play with. So I think each yeah. chit in the base game has four different sides, or most of them do. Some of them are the same every game. And so even with the base game, I think that has a good amount of replayability. But I also think that any um, what do you call it push your luck games 
are going to have are, are are going to be even better in that category because it depends on your own experience. You know, maybe one one game that you're playing, you want to go really bold and really aggressive and you want to just keep pulling chips out of the bag and you might think, you know, it doesn't matter if I bust because I just want to get the money to buy the cool thing that I want to get or sometimes you want to play it safe and that's going to change every every game that you play. So I, I really like Quacks. I, I think that it's, it's definitely improved by the expansion, but I think the base game by itself works just great. And I yeah, imagine I I'll be playing for a long time. I think when we played it, we didn't think, oh man, this really needs an expansion. There's, there's a ton in that box right from the get-go. It definitely doesn't need it, though I would say that it is improved by it. Yeah. Um, but it's just t- taking a great uh, game and making it even better. It's not like Ryan. it's saving a, a bad game. Surely you have played Quacks, right? I have not. My what? history with Quacks is Do that, they not yeah, have like, it in the Great White North? They do, but my local board game store uh, got the German version originally because they bring in imports. Yeah. This is Board yeah. Game mm-hmm. Bliss and Scarborough. Shout out, they're a great store. And uh, so I looked at it. I didn't even know what the heck it was because it was in German. And then so I sort of missed the boat because of that because by the time it came out in English, and then it showed up in Indigo, which is kind of like the Barnes & Noble of Canada. So when something shows up in Indigo, you know it's really hitting the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, oh, man, I really missed the boat on this now and the ship has sailed but uh, i hear it's great yeah i, yeah, I highly I, recommend it i i agree it's great i think it's brilliant it does what it does very well uh, shay okay so mm-hmm. you love this one a lot yeah. and i've never actually talked to somebody who loves it tell me i'm wrong this was the problem i had with the okay. game from a, a kind of a design perspective it starts out great you know every round you're do you keep pulling from the bag knowing that you might bust and it blows up and you get nothing or there's some like mitigating factors to that the problem we had was, as the game goes on and you're making later potions, the risk, what you have to lose if you push your luck just a little bit more so you can make a slightly better potion, you can lose a lot, but you gain very little. And we hmm. found, as the game went on, we were incentivized not to push our luck. In the early game, it's like, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if you push your luck and you get lucky, it's a, it's a huge windfall. And, you know, the amount you stand to win was commiserate to how much you might lose. But that shifted over the course of the game. And we always felt like, yeah, at the end of the game, we're just going to keep playing it safe because we dare not risk anymore. Am I crazy? Did I get something wrong? I don't, I, I wouldn't say that that's completely wrong. But I do think that there, that the value for pushing your luck does increase in, in a certain way because, um, so let's say you're in round six or seven or something. So you're yeah. most of the way through the game. Um, you've gotten a pretty decent collection, but you do still want more. And yeah. so you're you're like rounding out the end. And it's not so much that the potential reward is greater. It's that you've put enough chips in your bag that you think, okay, my odds should be better. And so yes. it, it kind of tricks you into thinking like, well, okay, I've... You know, I, I've I've had so you're trying to not hit seven in the with your with your white chips, and so right. you might think I've got five white chips on the board. Uh, okay, so if I pull out that three, I'm doomed. But I've already pulled out both my twos, so I've got the ones in there. That's that's fine if that'll happen. So it's really just that one chip I need to worry about, and I've got. I've got, I can and feel, I've got so ten chips in, the in there. Yeah. I'll be fine. I can keep going. I can keep going. Um, and then you start to think, ooh. But what if the 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 cat like the catastrophe that could happen is bad? So I, I find that that is just a really engaging part of it. Without it being it, like the prizes are not exponential, 
But yeah. I, I feel like that tension definitely in- increases in, in a very pleasing way. That's interesting. Um, I, and you're right. I mean, I think I have to admit with some chagrin that that's a fair point that didn't occur to me before. The, re- the, the payout, the ratio of risk to reward, I think, does shift in a way that we didn't particularly care for. But your point is that is made up by the fact that the risk itself drops. Yes, that's but a good point. But there's always a chance. And then yes. you get to near the end and you're having to make that decision of like, do I, am I greedy? Do I want to try and get more and still get both? Or do I stop now and get both knowing that I won't get the, the good reward? And that also can, uh, can be changed by there's cards that you draw every round and that might change how yeah, yeah, you play yeah, in the game. And yeah. So, All right. You have convinced me that if I get the opportunity, I need to go back and give it another try. Because I really liked the idea, but it just we came away from it just a little soured by that. And you're right, I just didn't I didn't quite see that. I'm a I little think, embarrassed. I think that well the, done, sir. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I think that the expansion. I mean, I know we're not really talking about the expansions for this list, but I think the expansion might help a little bit with your concerns. I know that there's yeah. there's one. They add one new um, one new potion ingredient, and that is always conditional to the board state. Um, so I think it becomes more valuable in certain aspects. So like, I think the longer you play, if you pull one of those, it tends to be more valuable, but it kind of just depends. Okay. All right, cool. Ryan, convince me I've always been wrong about something with your number four. Uh, I don't know. You might be on side. You might be surprised it's in a top 10 list. My number four is tiny epic. Huh? Wait, 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 no, wait, no, no, don't say. Uh, Shay, should we guess? Uh, I'm gonna well, guess it can't the only be one... pirates because no. that's not available yet. Uh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess kingdoms. I'm gonna guess galaxies. All right. It's in fact but... accountants. No, uh, that's my dream game. I don't know why they haven't made it. But Shay's correct. Galaxies. All right. It's galaxies and Shay, I'm with you. I really like the sci-fi stuff. I adore Tiny Epic Galaxies. I love it so much. Uh, first, the form factor is spectacular. I can yeah. bring it camping or to the beach, and I have, in fact, done it many times. Uh, I love that there's so much game in a little box. And what is the game? Well, it's a Yahtzee, space Yahtzee kind of thing. Yes. where you're rolling space dice. Yahtzee. Yeah. Space Yahtzee. I like that. Rolling dice, keeping some, rolling more. So it's like the same kind of mechanic that you'll find in King of Tokyo if you played that, or Yahtzee. And with the dice, uh, there are planet cards on the table and you move your ships to those planet cards, you can either activate the planet cards for their powers, or you can race around the orbital edge of those planets, and if you're the one who wins the race, you get the card and its power to keep for the rest of the game. It's cool, it's simple, it's fun, I love it. I introduce it to new players. If there's a brand new person in board games and they want to play something, that's the one I'll recommend. I just, I I love it, I adore it. Yeah, I I cannot find fault with that at all, at all. Fantastical I, game. That's another would one. Would you go games. with the original one, or would you go with the new super tiny, tiny epic, or super tiny epic yeah. galaxies, or whatever it is? I have never been so compelled to buy something I already own than seeing <laughs> that game. And that, but the one thing, the drawback, they should have put the expansion out in the same format because then I'd buy them both. Uh, I don't oh, like the of idea course. of having it without the expansion. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, that's 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 an unassailable pick. That's an excellent pick. Really great game. If Jen were here, she might be uh, chewing me out for not having put it on my list now that mm. I think about it. Yeah, that's, that's, it's near flawless. It's another one I of still prefer Tiny I... Epic Defenders is still my favorite of the group, but mm. yeah, Galaxies is amazing too. I played that a long time ago, and I remember really, really liking it, and I just haven't played it since. I think I need to get it to the table again, because I, I, I definitely remember enjoying it. 
Yeah, you won't regret it. It's it's just oh, and you and you forgot the other thing. Hey, you rolled some nice dice over there. That's interesting to me on my turn as well. Yes, the, uh, oh, there's that kind of overlap mechanic. also. Yeah, so. that's a great one. Yeah. All right, that was number four. Excellent. Number three, Shay, go. Number go for three. Shay. Uh, number three for me. Uh, so I I wanted to give you a little bit of shade for picking Pandemic Legacy, but I Uh-oh. can't do that uh-huh. because my number three is Gloomhaven. Ah, okay. Okay. And that is I like while that doesn't have the exactly the same legacy aspects, I think that is even more it people might think that is even more of a one and done kind of game. Yes. And I have played a lot of Gloomhaven. I have pretty much finished you don't really finish the story, but I've I've Have you finished the main storyline? I haven't finished the main storyline, yes. Uh and there's a bunch of okay. other side quests that I haven't haven't quite done yet, but I would have no problem wiping the board, completely starting again, because there's so many characters that I haven't played. Yes. There's uh, so many combinations of characters that we haven't played. Yep. And I have played almost the entirety of my Gloomhaven experience two-player. And I think it works great at two-player. Yes. But I also wouldn't mind trying it out at three-player. Maybe if yes. I if I've in a bunker and we have all the time in the world, playing yes. it at four-player. I think that that's going to be a really rewarding experience uh trying all the different versions of it and also trying all the different characters so even though it is a story and you move through it and you can finish it i don't have a problem playing it again yeah you put stickers on the board but you can just keep track of what you have and don't have mm-hmm. uh yeah. access to um or, same or with, you do put stickers sticker on the pack. cards that's a little bit more permanent you do put stickers on the cards. That's true. Uh, I, I mean, again... But it doesn't make the characters unplayable. It just yeah. means, hey, this is what this particular player class is like now. Exactly. Is there a refreshable sticker pack? There is. I, there I mean, is, but that would be considered an expansion. Oh, right, yeah. are not allowed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I don't feel like it's it's entirely necessary. Um, I mean, it's, it's nice, but I don't yeah. think that you really need it. I no. think that uh, you can do just fine... Just writing a list of of what you have and don't have. The the stickers on the cards, I agree, is does change things a little bit, but uh, it's not hard to say that like, okay, I'm playing this character for the first time. I know I don't have these bonuses. Um, well, yeah, or just you can see the that stickers, they're stickers. You, know? you can, you know? yeah, exactly. They're it's they're not very like obvious. They're not, they're not fooling anybody though. No. <laughs> um, and and. For a while, at least, you can peel off those stickers and put them on when you need to. They're, they're, yeah. they're pretty generous. I will with... say the glue on their stickers is hardcore, though. It it is a little yeah, bit compared little bit to tougher. pandemic where they come off. They could almost come off in a slight breeze. Yeah, um, yeah. I I would say though that like because of the glossiness of the cards. I mean, I've never tried to take the sticker off the card, so I I would you know maybe test it and see, but. It shouldn't be that bad. But, but again, I, you, you I, take I, it I, off. I, like, well, sure, you maybe damage the, the cards on. a little bit. But My, If you were to come over to our house and play our Quattrall, he's a very different Quattrall than yours um, because of the choices I made leveling him oh, up. for sure. And that now defines what that player class is like. And to me... Uh, uh, spoiler I'm going to skip ahead. My number three is is uh, Gloomhaven. Oh, awesome. It's oh, totally. nice. We matched our on the same number, overlap, too. overlap. Our first simultaneous. Nice. It was, uh, years ago, I had claustrophobia because I really wanted a dungeon crawl. 
And, well, Gloomhaven is the ultimate dungeon crawl that destroys all of the dungeon crawls. Of course I had to. I have finished the storyline. We have played probably only through... Um, I think we've played six of the of the potential races. So much more. But even still, I could go back and play any mission I've already played with the exact same character class I've played. But these character classes have so much variety built into them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the different ways you can spec them out. I could play the same character combination in the same level uh, half a dozen times and get a different experience every single time because of all the amazing amount of variety and items and abilities in this game. And, uh, you know, the, the core gameplay is so far, is so elevated above its peers. Because you know, the whole thing is so simple. I've got a deck of cards. This represents me. Once I run out of cards, I'm done. So you've got this constant war of attrition as its time is running out. I'm sorry, I, I stole the limelight from you, but I love Gloomhaven <laughs> so much. I'm just doing it. No, it's good. And it's my channel. And, and, um, you, and you brought up the, the, the point that I forgot to mention, which is that yeah. every time you level up, you're adapting your character uh, in a certain way. So you're going down a different path. So you play exactly. even that same character again. You start them start them over. You can choose the, the other path. Or yes, not exactly. the And there are two, multiple but... paths within paths for these yes. characters. And, and different ways you can combine them. But, you know, so you've got your hand of cards. When you run out of them, it's done. Every turn, you're going to pick two cards. One, you use a high... Uh, you know, because all these cards have four different actions you can place on them. This is the ultimate multi-use card. I'm playing this one for this use of these four uses. I'm playing this one for the other use. But the thing that makes this game sing for us is the imperfect communication. Um, when I pick my cards, I can't tell you what I'm going to pick. You can't tell me what you're going to pick. All I can do is just kind of talk vaguely about, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to very quickly run over there and try to um, hit those two guys with a fireball. And I'm going to go as fast as I can. Hopefully, I'll be able to get in that position before they go. And this and that's is all I can tell you that I, w- that I want to experience with with three and four players because it becomes pretty easy with two players to kind of predict the the initiative order. It is true. It is true. It's hard not to just start but, talking about. Well, okay, I know what you mean by really fast. You exactly you mean anywhere from seventeen to twenty five. That's your speed. yeah yeah. But when you have yes, more I- players and it's like okay, I'm going kind of fast. You're going slow ish, and it's like cool. We have different definitions for that, but yeah. Uh, It'll, it'll, it's almost like the mind in that regard. Yeah. Um, I have actually played it as a four-player game with Isaac Childress and his wife, um, which was actually very, very cool. And, I mean, I, I could play this game till doomsday. Uh, I love it to pieces. The cooperative nature, the imperfect communication, the infinite playability. Because, hey, even if you get sick of all the... Um, what is it? I think there's around 100 missions that come in the box, something like that. Something like that, yeah. It has a random dungeon generator, yeah. which I played and is actually fun. And if that weren't enough, if you, before you go in, get out your dot matrix printer, you can print out like another 30 missions that Isaac Childress, the designer, has given away for free. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah. There's there's so much to this game that is theoretically a legacy game. People always ask, like, I, I made a, a how to play video for, for Gloomhaven and people ask me what what do you do when you finish it? Like, can you uh, can you replay it? And I'm like, you won't finish it. You yeah, you don't finish this. <laughs> yeah. This is a lifestyle game. It definitely yeah. is. In the same way you will never finish if you get into it, you'll never finish Magic the Gathering. You will no, never yeah. finish Gloomhaven. And yeah. So that's why for both of us it's a no brainer. Um I'm just, I can't wait to see what you would have put higher on your list. I have very mm. specific reasons this at number three, that number two and number one did things that were even more important to me than what Gloomhaven does. But yeah, Gloomhaven, actually, coincidentally, I didn't realize this, it's my number three game of all time, and it's my number three here in the bunker. So I guess we move on to you, Ryan. Oh, Ryan, you, don't tell uh, me you haven't played Gloomhaven. Sorry, <laughs> it's called what, Gloomhaven? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't, uh, Why would you want a haven bells. for your gloom? That seems like yes. something you want to get rid of. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. But uh, my number three is Tricarian. Of mm. course it is. Yes, sir. My this only is... question is, why isn't this your number one? I oh, can't wait to see what's coming. Wait till you hear my number one. Uh, no, Tricarian is my birthday game in that it's so long and takes so much commitment <laughs> to set up. It's a 15-minute ordeal just to pick your character and your side characters and get everything going. Uh, I'm only allowed to play this on my birthday, basically. Yep. And I actually rope people. like My friend Sean, poor Sean, I had him come over and play it with an expansion with me. That's a true friend. And he doesn't play board games at all. Oh, like, no! Sean, it's my birthday. Play tr- oh, awful, awful. But uh, I, I just love the heck of the game really quickly if you don't know what it is it's a worker placement game where the uh, uh, innovation is that your workers have action points on them so not all workers are created equal where they usually are in a worker placement game you got a bunch of different depots to to attend to in a magical city that's kind of like uh, the prestige where there's competing magicians who are out for each other's throats uh, and you're trying to gather the resources to uh, put together tricks in order to perform them at a theater in order to get fame and glory and money become the most famous magician and get the magical Trucarian shard that yes. the old dirty magician Dalgard has bequeathed. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it is. Awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can't sing this game. This game has five games worth of innovations Easy. woven into it. Yeah. I know it, it. Oh, it's just a worker placement game, haven't I played? You have not played a worker placement game like this. The yeah. you know initiative on the workers combined with the special powers combined with the secret orders that you um, distribute every. Oh yeah, it's a programming game. Time. Yeah, people use the term point salad. This is like mechanic salad, which could be seen <laughs> oh, like as like that. pejorative, but like. I love that. I like my I like my stuff complicated and mid to heavy, and that I mean that scratches so many itches, and I'm a pretty itchy fellow. Yeah, I actually. I don't remember if I put this on my most um, influential games of the last decade. If I didn't, I thought really hard about it. This is from publisher Mind Clash. Mm-hmm. And prior to Tracarian coming out, I think the idea of a game like Tracarian would have been laughed out of the room. Because <laughs> I refer to them now as kitchen sink games. Yeah, you know, sure. Gloomhaven is one as well. Everything goes in the box. Everything goes in this box. It is a glorious, gluttonous excess of components and mechanisms, and the developers just don't care. If they could have come up with more stuff, they would have thrown that in too. Yep. And that is what Mind Clash does now, and it's led to huge success for them. And I believe it has changed the fundamental course of the industry because I think we're seeing more and more of these kind of kitchen sink games now. Gloomhaven is one. Tracurian, um, you know, sets the stage or you know, primes the audience for, yeah, you know what? I know you're used to games that are elegant and pure and they really focus on a couple of things and do it really well. And Trickhaven says, hold my beer. Yeah. I just say Trickhaven. <laughs> Because it's the yeah. two games combined. Yeah. But this is this is this is Mind Clash's mo, right? I just uh, they sent yeah. me anachrony and I busted yeah. that open. I was like, "What is even happening?" But then I, you know, I took the time and I sat down with the family and we played it, and that's amazing too. I mean, yep. there's the only reason it's probably not on this list is because I haven't played it enough. Once I do, that's it's great. What is going on in your house that you are making your family play Anachrony and Tracurian? I'm, I'm a bad you man. Two preteen and teenage girls. You oh, are a boy. monster. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll love you for saying that, by the way. <laughs> I think Cassie's in the background holding up a sign saying, send help, isn't she? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that says a lot about your household. All right. Well, cool. Um, I, I, I knew Tracurian was going to be on list. I thought it was going to be your number one. So, Ryan, tell me your number two. We need to get we need to get to this. Uh, so, my number two is Alien Frontiers. Hmm. <laughs> Wait, Shay, hold on. 
I'm well, trying to no. remember Alien Frontiers. I, I, I it's don't not Alien I... Frontiers. It is Alien Frontiers. It is Alien Frontiers? It is absolutely Alien Frontiers. Oh my gosh, okay. My former favorite game of all time, Alien Frontiers. Buy Game Salute, now starting games. Poop wow. on them forever. Yeah. Uh, Alien Frontiers is a... Uh, it's funny that they, they kind of did the Terraforming Mars thing many years before Terraforming Mars did Terraforming Mars, except they did it with more of a... Uh, I love the aesthetic of it. So it's like uh, Rocket Age uh, sort yeah. of 50s retrofuturism with big chrome pointy rocket ships. Yep. And the style is just absolutely wonderful. And what you're doing is... Hi- dice worker... Highline Asimov classic 50s, 60s. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, love it. And so you're rolling dice. The dice are your spaceships. So it's a dice worker placement game. You're putting them in different depots around this planet that you're trying to uh, colonize. Planet Maxwell that's named after the artists. And yep. you're trying to put colonies on the board. And now I bought this game uh, probably in its first edition when the colonies were little opaque wooden discs, like wooden hemispheres and then they upgraded them with an upgrade pack that i think is now base standard with the game which is probably the greatest game component i've ever seen which are little plastic domed colony cities that yeah, you put on the yeah. planet and they're unbelievable and it just ups the charm level of the game oh yeah that game is so far ahead of its time in terms yeah. of production values oh yeah it's 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 tremendous i love it i love it it is. Gr- I haven't thought about that game in years. Right, it's fallen off. And the you're radar. right. This is that is definitely a worthy. So much variation, so much variety in that game. You know when it fell off my radar was when I kickstarted uh, an like a new edition of it, and they 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 took two and a half or three years to get it to me. Ooh. And now and I was so mad. And then in those two and a half or three years, they put out expansions on Kickstarter for it without even fulfilling the. Oh my god, I can't sure, tell yeah, you. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Poop on yeah. them. Poop. Uh, that's that, that. Yeah, that's that's how you broach the entire topic. It's true. You're, I'm sure you're not alone. But uh, you're right. It is a brilliant game. And um, the design. I don't remember the designer. I think his second game was Pater, which was actually a really good little. Hold on. Uh, it's on my bookshelf right here. The designer is no. He's not on the side of the box. Sorry. <laughs> we'll put a so long in. ago that we did not recognize designers back then that the right. game came out. Oof. But yeah, great d- dice worker placement game. I, I I think probably a little bit too mean spirited for me and Jen. I mean, there there are some pretty hmm. cutthroat moves you can pull. Yeah, those alien cards are pretty bad, and it's really blocky off a spot kind of thing. And yeah, if somebody gets there before you, yeah, there's some alien cards that let you kick people's dice out. Yeah, I, I hear that. But but still, brilliant. Uh, absolutely, it is definitely one for the ages. It's a uh, it, ma- it makes me happy to think back on it. It's a great game. That's a good number two. That's a great number two. But not as good as my number two. Oh well, we'll okay. see about that. Uh, which is, of course, uh, we. I, I, I said earlier, I promised there would be more beige. The beige has arrived. <laughs> it's the Castles of Burgundy. Oh, hey, okay. yeah. yeah. Beige in the house. Although, yeah, a bit less beigey than it otherwise would be because I'm talking about the 10th anniversary edition. Oh, is that the one where they took highlighter markers and just scribbled <laughs> yeah. on the board? I think so, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, you do not want the beige? We will show you not the beige. Please, guys, beige is totally your wheelhouse. Personally, I prefer the look of the original. I mean, I appreciate they tried to, to juice it up for the 10th anniversary edition, but I always kind of like this stately, um, you know, kind of classic, um, you know, understated look of the original. But regardless, I think it you mean is boring. Such, do you mean boring? It is such a brilliant design. Uh, it looks... It, you know, it looks appropriate to what it is because you know it is the ultimate example of a I am just a 
middle management, you know, Renaissance era technocrat trying to push resources from point X to point Y to ensure that this region of France develops to full effect. Uh, it is a, uh, uh, not exactly dice, it's a, it's a tile drafting game and tile laying game mm-hmm. driven by dice, and that's the heart of its brilliance. I still, there are so many games that, I, that come across my um, table that I, I just want to shout at the designer, go back and look at Burgundy. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Burgundy solved dice years ago. <laughs> yeah. Stefan Feld is the king for a reason because every round, hey, I got a couple of dice, I roll them. The dice that I get, I get a six and a five. That determines what I'm going to be able to do on my turn. Um, except if, oh, a six and a five are useless to me. I totally needed that thing that was in the number two depot, and I needed to put it in the number the number three slot. Stupid dice, I hate you. No problem. Just say, oh, these dice can buy workers that I can then spend in a future round yep. to, use the, to make sure the dice do what I want, and if I don't use them, I score points. Every why don't developers do this? This is so obvious. Be- I did this a video should- on the on the top five things I love about board games, and dice mitigation was one of the things in there. Mm. Like yes. Every, well, yeah. Any game right. which dice should have it. Yep. And um, yeah. And and but and this was on my list originally. And the reason it comes in so high, if I could only own two games, it would be what's coming and this. It's specifically because of the 10th anniversary. As Shay pointed out earlier, I am kind of cheating a little bit. I think that's a cheat. That's an, <laughs> because that's this, what is, saying, this is, a big is only box. a big box edition. Yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. got, what, 10 years worth of, uh, of little mini expansions, tiny yeah. expansions, but a ton of them. And um, because, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't say it has any more content than Tracurian does, let's say. It's just that a game coming out today post Tracurian, post Gloomhaven, players expect everything in the kitchen thing thrown in the game, and that's what uh, Castle Burgundy 10th Anniversary Edition is. And by the way, it's not the 10th anniversary of the game, it's the 10th anniversary of the publisher? Of Aaliyah, No, it's the 20th 20th. anniversary, that's what it was. And it isn't quite even the 20th, I think it was like the 18th or 19th, but... Something weird. Um, Honestly, I do think the original version of Burgundy... Strictly speaking, is the better game. The board is more readable. There were some very questionable graphic design choices that were made. The, the way the ship track ends up dovetailing directly into the scoreboard. And Jen and I played in like, oh, how many points do I have? Oh, wait, no, that's my ship token. Ah! Just weird, Ooh. dumb stuff like that. And the tiles are now super hard to read where we never had a problem with them before because they tried to put more art on the tile and therefore squeeze the effects of the tiles even tinier. But I don't care. It's... It's, well, obviously I love it to pieces because it's my number two. And um, the core gameplay is so brilliant. And with this 10th anniversary edition, or maybe it's 20th, whatever anniversary edition it is, there's so much in that box. I could play it forever. And um, we love it two-player. We love it higher-player counts. I think this and Gloomhaven are the two longest games that are on my list. I mean, this is definitely sit down and and just play and soak it in for hours. And I'll never get tired of it. Castles of Burgundy. Solid pick, solid pick. I did a video right before this one on my channel that was uh, a list of five games that didn't quite make it onto my top ten, yeah. and Burgundy was in there. And the only reason it didn't make it in is because I'm a huge theme guy, and the th- it's yeah. so deadly dull. But mechanically, that's, it's excellent. It's excellent. That's the same thing for me. Is that like I? It's hard for me to put a game on a list if I don't like looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's, that's like totally fair. It's hard. I just, I just don't like looking at that game. Yeah. And if I'm gonna spend yeah. hours like playing it and playing it over yeah. and over and over again, I just, I need it to be at least a little visually appealing. Yeah. Um, Did you? I'm have a little you shallow in that. Checked way. out the 
updated the 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 anniversary edition where they completely gave it a huge. I makeover. haven't I, I haven't checked out the the updated version. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll definitely take a look at it. Though from what you're you're talking about, it it doesn't sound like it's a an improvement across the board. Basically, if you it's, buy the original game with a box of Crayolas, you're mm. good. It it's it, 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 you know, it was a it was a it was a valiant attempt, but it almost feels garish. Yeah, you know its presentation now, Body. and I I wonder how much of that is because it's been around for so long in its very beige pastel. Look, we're a Monet painting here, but with the saturation turned down seventy percent. Yeah. That's what you're getting with us. Yeah, and 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 now it's just like this riotous explosion of color, and it's like I don't know if this makes it better. It, yeah. It's, yeah, it's almost like it's almost like it's it's wearing its insecurities on its sleeve, right? Yeah, like it got teased for so long in elementary school for being so beige, and when it hit high school, it's like, look out, world! I got color, and you're like, whoa! I got I highlights in my hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm wearing exactly. neon. I have blush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what? It's freaking Star Trek: The Original Series, huh? Which was designed, um, you know, back in the '60s because. At that point, Technicolor TVs were only starting to show up. In, uh, and so they said, look, we are going to blow this color out. We are going to burn retinas of everybody across the world uh, because we finally got color. So the brightest of bright red shirts and red walls everywhere, that is ba- that is what it is. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And Sorry, green women. There. But I'm just happy I've combined two of my favorite things in the world, board <laughs> games and, and uh, classic Star Trek. That's awesome. Euros, Steffenfeld and Star Trek. Yes. I'd play I a, you, I'd play a Steffenfeld Star Trek game. You. Yeah. I, I All right, anyway, that was Feld. me. That was wait, my number wait, wait. two. This is just a rumor. I heard Stefan Feld was designing uh, the Shrek Builder. Is that a... <laughs> yes! I, hey, yes! I'm interested. Don't spread that around. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's a secret. Uh, we have to put this entire list on hold now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See how that plays out. All right, Shay, what's your number two? All right, so my number two actually surprised me a little bit. The, I knew it was going to be on the list somewhere, but the more I thought about it, the higher it's gone. And that's because... Specifically, the past couple months, it's kind of like we've been in the you know our our bunker. Uh, yeah, and I have. Oh, that's a good point. Wow, yeah. this is more timely than I thought. I didn't even yeah. think of that. And okay. so I've been. I was thinking about it, and I realized I have played this this one game more than any other in my collection during the the past couple months. Okay, and that has made me realize, like, yeah, I think this game definitely would last the test of time. I keep wanting to replay it. Uh, over and over again and it just kept getting higher and higher on my list it's not going to hit number one but my number two is spirit island Hmm. Uh, Ooh, i love spirit island and it's not because it's a perfect game Uh, i think if you're looking for a a cooperative game and you know you're you're especially if you're just getting into the hobby i think pandemic is a better choice Mm. but i think spirit island is a lot more replayable um, because there's so much variety uh, in in what you're doing, the each of the different spirits that you play, and so uh, Spirit Island is a cooperative game. It's similar to Pandemic, but it's uh, instead of you know um, doctors fighting diseases, you are uh, spirits fighting off colonizers uh, from invading your island and uh, attacking your the native inhabitants, and it has so much flavor to it. You're talking about how. Uh, Castle Burgundy is the beigest thing. This is one of the most colorful things. It is. It's beautiful. The everything about the design is 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 well put together. I, I would say that the I would love it if the card art was a little bit bigger because there's some great drawings in there. But there's a lot of just a lot of info on on each of the cards. But 
there's so much variety in in everything that you have that uh, it changes every time I play. And so it has that pandemic structure of like the disease or, you know, the, the, the colonists are coming in, they're multiplying, they're getting bigger. It's becoming a bigger and bigger problem as you go, but you're also getting stronger, which I really appreciate. I like in games where the, the stakes get higher and higher, but your ability to fight them also increases as, as you play. And Spirit Island does that really well. So you start off as a spirit with some basic powers, um, but as you go, as you put more uh, presence on the board, these little tokens that um, allow you to affect more of the island, but also give you more energy to work with and more uh, cards that you can play per turn, um, as all of that happens, you get stronger and stronger as the enemy gets stronger. And by the end of it, you're playing these really big, uh, really big powers to combat the aggressive expansion yep. of your enemies. Yep. And so there's there's the different spirits that you can play at. That provides a lot of variety. But there's also um, a number of things that you can add to your opponent to change how they play. Yeah. There's the base game where they just act normally. But there's also uh, enemy identities. You're you're fighting against you know England now. You're fighting against Sweden. You're fighting against Brandenburg, Prussia, and each of them plays very differently and has different levels that you can um, add on if you want to to make it even more difficult in different ways. So each one will have a very basic thing uh, that they do. And then there's going to be levels one through seven that add a new uh, new rule for them or a new uh, bonus for them or a penalty for you, some way to make yeah. it even, even harder. So you can tailor that to how difficult you want to do. And what I've been doing uh, with my roommate, we've been playing and just progressively trying to get harder and harder and see how see how much we can do. And, and, uh -huh. uh, and as we're getting better at the game, we're finding that we're better able to to fight even these even more and more difficult opponents. I thought so, you were going to say we become better people, but no. That's... Oh no, absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, the real spirit island was the colonists we we evicted along the way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very much not good but, choice. But yeah, um, so I, I really really like it. Yeah, it's I mean it's a cooperative area control game. Yes, at its heart, and just that in and of itself is a very enticing idea. But this is definitely. Like we were talking about a bit ago, this is another kitchen sink game. Yeah. Where, you know, this game coming out 10 years ago was unthinkable. Oh, All yeah. the stuff, they just, I mean, the, the box is packed. And mm -hmm. so it's a really great uh, choice. And yeah, Jen, I really like it a lot too. Basically, mm -hmm. what if um, Settlers of Catan had the smoke monster from Lost? And you get to play the smoke monster. Yeah. That's just such I, yeah. a crazy concept. And that's how I always sell it whenever I'm teaching someone new. It's like, you know, because you know Settlers of Catan. Yeah. Pretty much everyone does at this point. And I say, this is, what if you were the island? What if you were Catan yeah. and you didn't want to be settled? Yep. And then and then that, I think, is such a, like, it ends up being such a great hook that everyone who, like, when people hear that, they're like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. It's the plot I'm of intrigued. Beetlejuice, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, In yes, a way, yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, I man, assume now you I want to play Beetlejuice well, right? game. But, uh, I play Spirit Island, yep. yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, like I say, I don't mess with uh, cooperative games. I've yet to meet one that I've enjoyed, and so it just goes on the pile of ones that I don't like. Wow, really? Don't like cooperative games at all. Even something like this, where, yes, we're cooperating, but there's clearly a, 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 a present threat that you could consider represents another player. 
I mean, but that's it, it's the same as any cooperative. I mean, I cut my teeth in cooperative games with Shadows over Camelot, and yeah. I, I, it just felt like, like in any cooperative game, it's like here's the big scary deck of like bad crap that happens to you, card after card after. It's like, oh, there's a blizzard. Oh, your face falls off, and I'm just like, I just find it wearying, and 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 I like it with a game night. If you're playing a competitive game, you're either gonna you're gonna have one person very happy and everybody else sad, or maybe the second place is happy because they got second place, and then the not last place player is gonna be happy because they weren't last. So you know maybe you'll end up with one sad player who ended up in last place. But with a cooperative game, either everybody beats the game, which your first few plays isn't a foregone conclusion, or everybody loses. So the whole table's upset. And so yeah, I but you, have it's a shared experience, though. Like there's the camaraderie and in, in that misery. You lose yeah. together. It's like a yeah. shared experience of getting kicked in the face repeatedly. I don't like it. I, I just don't <laughs> like him. Oh uh, you no, know, it's it's for you. It's not game night if um it's only game night if only one person is crying at the end that's, of the night. That's, that's, that's what I find interesting because I, I feel like if you're playing competitive game, and I like competitive games just fine, but yeah. there is the guarantee that someone is going to be upset. Whereas if you're playing a cooperative game, there is at least the chance that everyone will be happy. But the, I, I agree, but I think the higher chance, especially your first few outings with a cooperative game, the higher chance is that everyone's going to be upset. So you're going to have me fail, fail, fail until maybe the fourth time I play the game we're going to succeed. That's just not enough success, not enough happiness for my liking. So that's why I really like Spirit Island, because I feel like it starts you off with a basic game that is a challenge for new players, but I'd say you have a much better chance at, at beating it than a lot of uh, cooperative games that are just like this is the game, and you're either going to win or you lose. Yeah, and then you no, ramp that goes up down to difficulty. my specific problem with Spirit Island is that we got three quarters of the way through the scenario, and I felt like it was a foregone conclusion. It was like, yeah, it'll that take a few is, more turns, and we'll win. Uh, that is, or it, there's no coming back. And right? Or yeah, I would say that I, I, I would agree. That's probably its biggest issue for any cooperative game that is going to take you upwards of three hours. I mean. I do think generally a co-op game, or for me and Jen, is going to serve us better if um, it's a, if it's like an hour or less. I mean, maybe it's just because we started with pandemic that um, you know, because putting in three plus hours and then losing at the end is dispiriting Island. No, no choice about it. <laughs> I mean, very sure. Good, very good. If remember what my number nine was, it was Eldritch Horror. So I clearly That's don't true. have a huge yes, problem you, with that. You wore your masochistic uh, tendencies yeah. on your sleeve right from the get go. That's true. Um, but a thing I like about Spirit Island, though, and this is, I, I actually hold this true for, for a lot of entertainment in general, is the journey is a lot more important to me than the ending. Um, okay. Like, I remember this coming up, I mean, uh, bringing it over to, like, video games, uh, people had a huge problem with Mass Effect 3 uh, of, like, the ending of that. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit niche, I guess, uh, on a board game channel. But... I loved it because I loved the journey of it. The The ending was fine. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with Spirit Island. The ending, and, and I'll, I'll absolutely agree with this. Occasionally, it can get to the point where it is a foregone conclusion. The last round, I usually don't play. Because, oh. um, not to say that, like, I don't bother. It's just that we'll look at the board and say, can we win before the enemy takes their turn? Yeah. Yes? Cool. We do this and this and this? All right, cool. Then, then we do that. And we yeah, don't yeah. bother to like figure out the entire turn um, because of the timing of the game where uh, everyone, like the spirits play their cards, they do their fast powers, uh, the game 
stuff happens, there's events, there's fear, there's the enemy's turn, and then you do your slow powers. And it's like, okay, cool. Can we win with the fast powers? Yes. Awesome. We've, we've done yep. it. And that is a, a somewhat, like it can be a little unsatisfying if you're, if you're really hoping for that big like final turn. But for me, what I love about it is all of the turns leading up to that. How do you get from being like just barely treading water and fighting off a very powerful opponent to crawling your way into strength and eventually getting to the point where you actually can fight back? That's what I'm playing for. It is a good point. I mean, there are few co-op games, I think, that have that sense of escalation to quite the same degree. I mean, in any co-op game, yeah, we get more powerful. We get new items and stuff like that. But yeah... You're right. Spirit Island, we are literally just mud and sticks at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And we are, you know, you know, terrifying forces of nature. That's a good point. So for I do you, like, I it's, do not, like the, it's way... the journey, not the destination. Yes. Though, I mean, I'm, a... I'm not saying the destination is completely unsatisfying. I do still enjoy it. Um, but the journey is so great for me that the mildness of the destination it doesn't bother me at all. But I can one understand thing, how one it thing would I'll say in the game's defense, not that it needs to be defended because it's really popular, but one yes, thing I usually. liked about it was that um, it's one of the few games where the variable player powers, you actually feel like what you're made of. So the fire mm, spirit yeah. rips through the island as quickly as possible, destroying as much stuff like fire does. I played uh, the rock guy who's just very plodding and very slow moving. Mm-hmm. And my friend Derek played the water spirit who just kind of like splashes up from the shore and drowns people, mm-hmm. which is really hilarious. So I yep. like that it all felt really thematic and the people played the way they were supposed to play and they felt like elemental powers. That was cool. The thematic connection is uh, very, very well done. Uh, yeah, I, I really definitely. appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, a yeah, few games can match it in that regard. That's a good point. Yeah. All right, that was number two. We're we're here. Hey, please, t- please tell one. me your, your cameras haven't died a half an hour ago. I'm Mine somehow six still times. sputtering along. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, uh, number one, um, Ryan, I, I've been very patiently waiting because I thought I already knew two turns ago. What is your you, number one? You thought you did. This is the moment of the video that you've all fast-forwarded to from <laughs> the beginning. Indeed. And my camera just went off. Yes! Oh, perfect timing. Yes! Hold on. Cassie's got my back. Thank Mine, you. Man. Mine's going to turn off right when I start mine. I'm feeling <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm feeling this it. This is the second time of the video my camera's turned off the moment I start speaking about something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, give us two seconds. And at this point, it took him, I would say, more like 10 to 15 seconds, but then we resumed. My number one game of all time is Everdell. Yep. I knew it. That's what I thought was number two, which no means sim- I'm going to no have to go back and silence myself because I spoiled this earlier. Can't be number two because nothing's going to beat it for me. Not currently. Uh, there's nothing out there that I would rather play. So you this- have got to explain yourself because I will oh. not deny it is a super charming little worker placement game, cute as a button components, and yeah, and nice yeah. solid combo gameplay, but nothing compares nothing compares to this like Sinead said brother nothing yeah. compares <laughs> and, oh man we're trolling out the old references now people are going to be like what they'll be like on Wikipedia how do you spell Sinead uh, so <laughs> I'll, I'll do a TikTok or something to get them back <laughs> exactly. in yeah, yeah, yes, totally. that's, Just, that's why you're dance. here <laughs> so, yeah he's the young dance blood, millennial dance yeah. uh. 
<laughs> so uh, Everdell, quickly, just to sell it if you've never heard of it or don't know much about it, it's a tableau building game that's set in a uh, animal-themed, anthropomorphic animal-themed world, kind of like if you ever watch uh, or read the book Red Wall or any movie by Disney. Um, so the animals walk around and they wear pants and they build things and you're trying to build a city of up to 15 cards. Uh, there's a, some card drafting in the middle of, of the table and you've got cards in your hand. And the really cool thing that I like, and there's worker placement too, but that's kind of like, it's like a really tight, really difficult worker yeah. placement. You have very few workers. You get more as the game goes on, but it's a real struggle to manage those resources. The thing that I really like about it is that uh, at its heart, the game is about procrastination. So the longer you can stave off your turn, it's one of these games kind of mm. like Small World where, or, or uh, Charterstone where at some point you're going to have to have like a rest period and recall all your workers and sort of simmer down yep. and have a period where you do nothing. And in Everdell, the longer you can stave off that rest period, even at the expense of the strategy you thought you were building towards, I have found that if you can just eke out one more turn where you just put a card out that maybe you didn't want or you just get to do something else, grab a card from the common pool, if you can just do that and prolong it as long as possible, you'll do much better than the other players in the game. It's a game about procrastination. I love procrastinating. I love the daisy chaining effects, the comboing of cards. I'm always discovering something new about it. Uh, I just got the expansions and when I played with the expansions, there's a whole new combo of cards that I'd never noticed before that made me just completely triple the second place player's score and I was just like whoa this is amazing I love it I love it to wow. death I love that game and you know what I wanted to say about Everdell the one thing that I really really like about it I'm a big theme guy and if there's a game that has a theme I really like and I want to be there. Like, I desperately long to actually put myself in that setting and be oh, uh, sure. among the characters who are there doing the things that they're doing. It just creates such a sense of, of place, and it's a place that I want to be. I mentioned Scythe on my other video about games that didn't quite make it into the top 10 list. I don't want to be anywhere near Scythe. I don't want to be near the big, stinky, oil-burning <laughs> mechs. I don't want to be near communism. I don't want to thresh wheat. But uh, man, my, uh, do I ever want to stay... Off, so I'm going to have to fix that. And, oh, okay. Uh, my, uh, that's going to take a little bit longer than it does for you. So give me a minute or two. Oh, sure. Okay. Should we pause? <clears throat> no. Um. If you can remember your sentence, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, Shay wasn't kidding. It took him a little bit to get back online, about four minutes or so. But eventually, we were able to continue. So, um, all right, can... folks. Uh, Ryan has failed tech-wise, I don't know, five or six times now. So finally, Shay decided to join the party right in the middle of, you know, he was building up to a huge crescendo, this big soliloquy of his love for, I'm sorry, what was it again? I can't even remember. It was it was Telestrations? There you go. That, yeah. Right, Telestrations. Nailed no, no. it. I, what I was saying was that Everdell has such a sense of place that it's yeah. a place I really want to be. With Scythe, I don't want to be anywhere near the gigantic mechs that are burning oil and spewing smoke. I don't want to be threshing wheat, and I don't want to be under a communist system in post-war Euro wherever, right? I don't want to be anywhere near there. But I do definitely want to stay in an inn run by a badger wearing pants. <laughs> That's fair. So yeah, I can't. I can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> right, there is no argument that yeah. anyone could possibly come up with against my badgers wearing pants. And this is you too, right? I mean, this is your love for this game. This isn't. You yeah. know, I'm throwing this on the list because my family loves it. 
No, this is. I mean, I. It I is would so have to, out of out of sync with everything yeah. else you talked about up to It's today. not though. Okay, and it's you say that, but I think that it got. Uh, it gets a bit of a bum rap for two reasons. First, people say it's too random, and to the people who say that, I say, sit down with me and play Everdell, and I will school you with any opening <laughs> hand in any starting position. Doesn't matter. Right, it's there, not random at all. That complaint comes from the fact that there are plenty of cards in the deck where to leverage this card to good effect, this other card must come into play, and it may never come into play. The game is random. That's the point, right? That there's too many. Well, you have to get all three of these things for to score it. That's the random complaint? Uh, it's more like I get my starting hand and I want to build my cards. Yeah, it's a little bit of it. Yeah, but there are, me- there are mechanics to fish through the deck to find the cards yeah. you want. But what I find is that's not the best way to play at all. If you are you like, if you have this building and you think, oh, or this critter, and I need to build this construction and I'm going to stick to my guns and, and that by the end of the game, oh, my, my, my building never came out. Meh, big pout. You're, you're a bad player. You're just bad at Everdell. If you want to be a good Everdell player, you play opportunistically. Like yeah. I say, you're staving off that, that rest turn and you're taking any opportunity you can get. If there's a card in the meadow and you can afford it and you wanted to do something else, build the card in the meadow. It's the better play every single time. So you kind of have to constantly deconstruct your strategy and build towards something else. Mm. And if it's the kind of thing where you really want to see long term and build towards something, that's not that game. It's really like a turn by turn. What is the very best thing that I can do right now? So I haven't had a chance to play Everdell. I know I, it's it's been on my list for a long time. But yeah, <clears throat> would you say that the replayability from Everdell comes from the fact that you just have different cards each time um, or just because it's a good game or is there something specifically that like really changes the game state every time you play that yeah so, makes okay, it hold so up to repeated playing the worker placement spots a suite of them are the same every single game but four of them change every single game okay so that's one mm-hmm. thing that changes another thing that changes in the base game is there are missions and the the four of them are dealt out randomly every single game so those gotcha. two setup pieces are completely random your turn order is random so that means the number of cards that you get is different depending on where you're sitting at the table and of course the the actual cards you get are random and then the common pool of cards that gets dealt out there's eight of them in the middle of the board and those are going to be random and i remember yeah. what i was going to say the other objective that people have uh, with Everdell is is kind of like when people dismiss animation, they think, oh, it's a cartoon, so it's for kids. Or like, oh, there's furry animals mm, in this, yeah. and there couldn't possibly be any depth to it. It's a three-hour game. Like, we easily chew up yeah. three hours playing that game, and there's meat to it. There's meat on that bone. It's yes. not just a, like a frivolous little, like, you know, ki- kid game, like a Haba game at all. It's it's uh, not to knock Haba, but, like, it's, uh, it's substance. I feel there's substance there. In the game. Yeah, it's closer yeah. to a race for the galaxy than... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's a tableau builder. Yeah, it's very close to Race for the Galaxy. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Wow. I mean, I knew you liked it. I didn't know oh, that much. I don't just, I don't merely like it. I love it. What about it. the tree? What about the <laughs> tree that makes, that ruins playability for, love two, the uh, for tree. half of the, play, the board? Uh, the, the tree is, is preposterous and ridiculous. And you were talking about games, Rado, where, you know, oh, you couldn't have done this until this game came out. You said, you know, Tricarian was the kitchen sink thing that yeah. sort of set a trend. Everdell set that trend with the gigantic constructible cardboard thing. So right yep. now I'm tr- I'm playing um, Dead Reckoning, and what does it have? It has a giant constructible cardboard pirate ship on the table. Mm-hmm. 
right? So it's it, they definitely have set a trend with that because I think what publishers are realizing now is if you want your to get your game noticed and it's at a convention, it's got to have table presence, right? Yeah. And one way for it to have table presence is to have a big weird. You know, at Wingspan did the same thing. They have a big constructible cardboard uh, bird feeder yep. dice tower, yep. right? So it's yep. a it's a strategy, and I think Everdell set the pace on that. Two-dimensional board games are a thing of the past. Yeah, it's <laughs> all 3D. It's a bold new dimension for us. <laughs> all right. I'm looking that's, forward that's to that's the an 4D choice. games, personally. Yeah. But Shay, yes. top that. What's your number one? Uh, my number one, uh, people who know uh, me, people who know uh, my channel are not going to be surprised by this at all. Yes. My number one is Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Number four. Uh, yeah, number three it's... is garbage. Yeah, forget that. <laughs> no, I mean you can you can see in the background. I've got three and I've got four still, but I don't I don't play three anymore because um, I just have the base game and base game fourth edition is just better than base game third edition. Um, oh, because I'm sure those are fighting words in certain circles. Uh, to some extent, but a lot of yeah, people who really like third neighborhoods. <laughs> a lot of people who really like third really like it because of the expansions. Um, okay. And I don't have any of the the third edition expansions. There aren't any fourth edition. Fourth edition expansions yet, um, but fourth edition packed in a lot of the stuff that third edition had in the expansions. M- mainly, uh, there are seven more alien races in base game fourth than base game third. So uh, there's a lot of different uh, races that you can play. And if you're talking about a game that I can play forever, yeah, Twilight Imperium fourth edition one game forever. That's yeah, the so thing. Yeah, one session. <laughs> so okay, here's a thing that I have found. There is a huge divide in Twilight Imperium players. I have... Uh, Wait, before made... you do that, for, okay. I mean, this is my channel. A lot of people probably don't know anything about Twilight okay, Imperium. Okay, fair, fair, fair. Uh, <laughs> Twilight Imperium is a very big game. It's a space-themed game. Everyone is playing as a different alien race that is vying for control of the uh, Galactic Empire. The previous rulers have been killed, and there's a power vacuum. And so everyone is trying to gather power... Um, and it it is a 4x game, so you're expanding, you're you're getting, uh, you're settling new planets, you're getting new technologies, you're building up massive fleets, you're fighting sometimes, you're negotiating sometimes, and there's uh, a lot of uh, these political cards that sort of change the game as you play it. And on top of that, the way that you actually win is there are a number of objective objective cards that get revealed every turn, and those. Uh, will tell you what you want to do in the game specifically to get the points that you need to win the game. And it Oh, and those is, are different from game to game? Yes. Uh, there's there's a pool of cards, and you're, you're, you're going to be drawing about half of them each game. So they, okay. you, you do see a lot of the same stuff, but the order in which they come out is important, and the, the things that happen, uh, or the, the cards that come out, definitely change the, the style of the game. Um, and this game takes all day to play. Yes. I, and, and this is where the divide is, because I have never played a game of Twilight Imperium that lasted less than 10 hours. Holy cow. Whoa! Uh, yes. Now, I've only played five or six player games. You can play it as low as three, though yeah. I don't know that that's, uh, and some people would really like that. I, it's just, for me, it's not, it's not worth it unless you're getting the full experience, but that's, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, you're not going to waste enough of your life at three players. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, but the thing is, I know, or I've heard from so many people, because I yeah. taught uh, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, and I, and I mentioned that it takes a really long time to play. I have heard from so many people who are like, I play it in six hours, easy. Uh, maybe maybe seven or eight if people are, are uh, taking a really long time to think about their turns, but it never takes that long for me. And I'm like, 
How? How do you do? I don't. I literally do not understand how this game plays in less than Both ten. Both sides of these divi- of this divide is how. Yeah, exactly. I. Uh, so so it takes a long time, and for me, it, yeah. for me, it takes ten to twelve hours. I've and I don't play the long version of the game. You can uh, instead of scoring ten yeah. points, you score like fourteen, I think, and that takes even longer. Um, I don't I don't do that. I just play the regular version. But if I have forever to play games, I'm, of course, now now is the perfect time for me to play Twilight Imperium. That's I have all point. the time in the world. I can explore every different race that I haven't played. Uh, yeah. I, we will see how all the different races work together, work against each other. I can try all the different strategies. I can try to be more aggressive at the beginning of the game. I can try to be less aggressive. I can be nice. I can be mean. I can... Dude, there's so there's so much room in this game to try new things, and there's so much time to really work on a strategy that th- I, I don't think I'll ever really get tired of it. You might even get to the point where you could finish it in six hours. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It's, it's possible. Run. Yeah, because the the secret is it only lasts ten hours when you're playing, perhaps. Yes. How? I yeah. mean, you have to explain this to me. Physically, how do you sit there and play a game for 10 hours? 10 you, plus hours. It's got to be diapers, Rado. Okay. <laughs> no, you All definitely right. take a break in that. the middle, but like, I, I, don't, I don't sit for 10 hours straight. It's like yeah. you, play, you play for four, five, six hours, and then you, you know, eat dinner, um, and, then you, and then you keep going. Uh, and it is one of those games where when it's not your turn, you don't have a lot that you're doing. Um, okay. Turns are pretty quick, so okay. there's not a ton of downtime. But occasionally, especially when people get into a fight, yeah, you have a minute. So you can go off, get a snack, you know, rest your brain a little bit. Um, but I will say, one of my favorite experiences of playing Twilight Imperium is I played a game where instead of a six-player game, we played a 12-player game where every uh, faction was a team of two people. And this allowed us to have one person focusing on the military aspect of it, getting ships, getting the board, like working on the board state, and the other person uh, working on the, what you might call the political aspect of it, which was talking to the other teams and like making deals. And we would like have people go into the other room to make like shady deals um, and figure out how we're going to play, like how we're going to ally with each other or who we're going to attack. Um... And then come back uh, and then pass that information on to the military uh, player. Uh, It was such a wild experience. It took 13 hours, but (laughs) it was so interesting. Did you play it over two days and everybody went home for the night? No, we started at 10 in the morning. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And finished at 11 at night. Yeah. Nice. It was wild. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's hardcore. Okay, so... You you briefly caught my attention with that that it sounds like that outlier story about this special team mode. Yeah, that's intriguing because until you said that, what I was gonna, the main question I have for you because I've 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 been aware of this forever. I know sure. that's what that's the point of this game is it's insane and you play for a minimum of six hours. But what is so special about this game, this experience mm-hmm. that will get somebody to happily gleefully? Play for six, ten, thirteen hours straight. Yes, what separates it? There's a lot of forex games out there. Well, that's the thing is, it is such an epic journey. You know, it's it's the story that you tell, and and this also falls into the the uh, the the middle. Like the journey is the is the point of it. Um, It's not like uh, there are definitely times when you know the last round is tense and you don't know who's going to win. But the journey. 
from like fledgling, uh, you know, alien faction to sprawling galactic empire is so fascinating to me. There's, there's the beginning where you're slowly pushing out, you're getting the planets, you're starting to make tentative deals, you're trading a little bit with other players, you're, everyone's pretending to be nice to each other at the beginning of the game, then there's first blood, and then, uh, you know, one, one faction attacks each other, that's a feud that lasts throughout the game. You have these, uh, hours long feuds that, that work together. You have these alliances that end at, uh, like surprising moments where someone yeah. comes from behind and and invades when you when you were counting them as an ally this entire time, the ups and downs of this game, because and and I think the length of it actually uh, intensifies this because it's not a bug, you are, it's a feature exactly you are spending so much time in this world that every connection that you make is that much more meaningful. Like this isn't just an alliance that we made, you know, thirty minutes ago, and now, oh, you're you're fighting me now. Okay, that's fine. We've been friends for hours. This is your life. Yeah. <laughs> Can you put it up against Eclipse for me, Shay? I have only played Eclipse online once, and okay. I thought it was fine, but I don't think it's the same game. Um, I think uh, someone on the Dice Tower. I think Sam says this. This it's like people say it's Euro Twilight Imperium. It's not. It's a different game. They just look similar, um, and I, I I'm not against the idea of it. it. It's like if you want, you know, a space forex uh, game in a much shorter time frame. Sure, go go play Eclipse. I, I'm not gonna be mad at anyone who, who makes that choice. It's just not. That's just not why I'm interested in that. Like, I grew up playing Civilization on the computer mm-hmm. and spending weeks playing these campaigns. The mm-hmm. A 4X game, to me, should be long. It should be a big journey that you take. And, yeah. like, I'm just, I'm just never, I'm never going to find... Well, there's nothing on the market right now that is going to satisfy that itch like... Uh, like Twilight Imperium does, so it's it's just it's just that epic of an experience, and it's one of the very few games where I think describing it as epic is not hyperbole. I think it is it it is an well, it, appropriate. It sounds like it doesn't do it justice, quite frankly. <laughs> epic. It's not like a large enough word. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it. So it's like a, a single session of Twilight Imperium Four is the equivalent of watching. Four seasons of Game of Thrones all at once, kind of. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it 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 very much has that feel of like a season of a show. Like you you experience this huge narrative arc um, throughout the course of it. So, so yeah, it's it's there was no there was never any question. This was always going to be my number one. Wow, wow. Yeah. And if folks want to know more, Shay has covered this game extensively on yes. his channel as well. I yeah, and I talked third I, edition I and fourth your, edition. Your Twilight Imperium video is like a huge, right? Wasn't it like a half a million views or something like that? Uh, Twilight Imperium fourth edition, I think, is about three hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, so you are not alone. Yeah. I mean, it's this is not something you normally hear about on my channel, but it's it's a thing. Yeah. And that's a uh, that's I yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. I am going to be a bit anticlimactic here um, after both of those incredibly passionate um, because, you know, my my number one game of all time is Pandemic and I I put that higher. But even if it's my number one game, there's the game I have in my number one spot, which was on my list originally when I did this five years ago. Um, But really, when I thought about this and rejiggered it so that if I could only have one, what would it be? I was really shocked. I thought about this for hours, hours. And I cannot come away with anything other than if I could only own and play one game for the rest of my life, it's paperback. 
Yes. Paperback. I already had another deck builder game. I love deck builders to pieces. And I have earlier on, you know, Shadowrun Crossfire, which is a much more atmospheric, moody, adventure-filled deck builder and all that. But Paperback is, to me, I cannot think of a greater epitome of infinite replayability because I will never run out of words. Paperback is a deck building game where your deck is a bunch of cards of letters. Simple letters, uh, you know, com- you know, combined letters like a TH, stuff like that. But it, and, and every time, you know, like a regular deck builder, every round I draw some cards and I'm going to try to make a good word out of these cards. But um, the cards don't only just have the letters that create the words. These cards all have special powers. And so not only am I just trying to make the best, longest, smartest word out of these things, but I am also trying to adhere to whatever restrictions are that will allow me to double the uh, points of this or to um, you know add, draw extra cards when I need them or whatever it is. And it's such an endlessly compelling puzzle. And I say this fully shocked because... For people who know the, the, or my origin story for getting into board games, I went looking for Travel Scrabble and found Pandemic, and I'm so happy because I don't enjoy Scrabble. And uh, you know, it was part of my childhood. But this, uh, it, it raises above word games. Um, and for a few reasons. One, it's the fact that I'm combining all these things with powers. There's a ton of variety. This is not a Dominion where, boy, sooner or later I'm going to need to get an expansion because I'm just going to run out of combinations that are interesting to me. This game will constantly surprise you and put you in tough binds trying to... I know there's a word here. There is a word <laughs> that will let me play this card before this card. Gah! Um, but... And, you know, and, and the game, certainly for me and my wife, Jen, because neither of us are super word slews. We're not that into it, but we love this game so much. And um, one of the most brilliant design tricks I've ever seen in any game is, again, I mean, that's just, I want to play this before this. I don't know. I'm just putting my cards on the table. Anybody have any ideas? And you can basically, I forget what the term for it is, it's like setting a bounty that if somebody can come up with something with my cards that is better than what I come up with myself, hey, I will take the more points or the more opportunities to build my deck or whatever it is that your word helped me, and you will get paid for it as well. And I think that is just the most brilliant thing I have ever seen. It just instantly eliminates analysis paralysis for us. Um, because we, we grind, we grind, we grind, I don't know. Okay, I think this is the best I can come up with. Honey, what do you think? And then, you know, it, it's, it is a competitive game at its heart. But for us, it's the joy of working together and seeing if she can come up with something better than me out of my own stuff. And then you know, I'll return the favor for her later on because we want to grab those um, bounty bonus things. Again, they're not called bounties, I forget what they're called. And if all that weren't enough, and that would have been enough for me to consider it, the game comes with a fantastic cooperative variant in the rules. And frankly, we enjoy the co-op game more than the competitive game, even though it was designed first and foremost. Uh, I forget, I think it was Ryan mentioned, um, what was it, uh, Seven uh, Seven Wonders Duel earlier, yep. uh, like a lifetime ago, <laughs> like three Twilight Imperiums ago, I think, yeah. roughly. <laughs> um and, you know, I mean, you, you just barely mentioned it, but it has that very cool uh, pyramid of cards that we're working our way up through. That becomes the basis for the co-op, that we have to clear out the pyramid. We have all these specific things we have to do, but we're working together. Um, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And there's just no getting around it. Uh, this is a game that will never get old. Never mind the fact it's an amazing, super ultimate gateway game in case there's somebody else we need to play games with. It works fantastically at all player counts, including it's just a blast to play the co-op game solo. It has a wonderful presentation, this kind of retro 
I guess it's another retro 50s, 60s vibe, yeah. uh, book cover vibe with, with all the card art. I love everything about it. And that's saying something, because generally speaking, I thought I hated word games, but I love paperback. And, um, you know, while, hey, there's no dungeons to crawl, there's no worlds to save, there's no, um, there's no kingdoms to build, the kind of stuff I really like, but I, it's still my number one because it, it's, it, nothing, nothing can beat it in terms of, this is the one game I get to play for the rest of my life. Paperback. So Thoughts. clear something clear something up for me. What's that? Well, first of all, a question. Do you know what you and I and Tim Fowers, the designer of Paperback, have in common? We all have video game development backgrounds. That's right. And yes. so, oh my gosh, I need the camera to come back on. <laughs> Give me two seconds. Oh my God. You guys, no one's more frustrated than I am. I think your well, camera just like, hears you talking together. and it's like, okay, hold on. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I'm out. Can this guy's just... yapping again. Forget it. Okay, double button on that and we're good. Okay. So, uh, Tim Fowers and I were actually uh, chummy as video game developers. Oh, okay. And we would meet up every year at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. Oh. Uh, sometimes sharing quarters, sometimes sharing lunches. He's, he's a great guy, talented designer. Uh, nobody can deny. And... W- when GDC started uh, showcasing more board games at, yeah. at the conference, he actually had a bunch of copies of paperback when he had just made it, and he was he was selling them at the conference. And I said, "Oh, sure, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll buy your game paperback." So I own a copy, um, but I've never played it, and I now feel horrible. You are no for longer chummy. Really, no, that's it. he doesn't know that I've never played it. He actually didn't answer an email of mine a year ago, so he's dead. Oh, there you go. But, oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's right. so. <laughs> so, but this is this is one of the reasons I think I had this writing in the back of my brain, and the reason I never busted it out. So c- clear this up for me. Okay. I walked around with him at the conference when he was selling paperback, and uh, some other people had played it, and they said they were talking about it with him. They said, "Yeah, it was a really fun game. I liked it." They said though, this one person said, "Oh, but that one hand is stronger than the others." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to tweak that." Blah blah blah. And then the next person we ran into had almost the same conversation and brought up the same criticism. Said that mm-hmm. one hand is stronger than the others. And he goes, "Yeah." He, so he made excuses or talked about it. And then later on, after paperback, he came up with hardback, which I assumed was the follow up to fix whatever issue those designers were talking hardback about. Hardback is a is a significantly different game. Okay, so that's not it at all. Um, so yeah. I was just... So what were they talking about with the one specific hand that's stronger than all the other hands of the game that made me just kind of put hard uh, paperback on my shelf? And You're rocking of... my world. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I've played... I've probably played paperback probably around 20 times. Um, okay. give or take, which I know you not sound like a lot considering the subject matter of this, uh, but for me, that's huge. Sure. I never, ever, 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 ever get to go back and play games, but we always try to make time for it because we just love it. Uh, and plus it's also a really tiny, compact, uh, package. You can take it with you anywhere very easily, but I'll be honest, we mostly play cooperatively, uh, because mm, okay. my wife and I just love that to pieces. Uh, the fact that this is such a great cooperative experience is why Gloomhaven and Pandemic my two favorite cooperative games of all time came a little bit later or earlier, I should say in my list, because ultimately if I needed cooperative play with my wife, this scratched the itch and it scratched so many other itches for us. So I am, I don't know that I've played it enough or I don't know that I'm good enough at word games to (laughs) identify what that hand is. So interesting, right? Because it's funny that the people that we were talking to, they must have only played it because it was brand new, right? They must have played yeah. it the night before 
and said this to him like the next day at the conference. So I was really curious to know that. And I wonder, I don't know, Tim, if you're listening, maybe you can hope yes. you are. You can pop up. in the comments or let yeah. us know. I'll, I'll interview or you. Or just reply to Ryan's email from a year ago. Yeah, for heaven's <laughs> sakes, Tim. Come on. We were like this. Wow. I will have to do some uh, digging. I mean, if it, I'm sure. I mean, the, the, you know, the game has gone through multiple reprints. Uh, you know, oh, it's, 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 it's an evergreen for him. I mean, it's, it's his little ticket to ride. You know, kind of a, you know, people yeah. just keep buying, he keeps making more of it. If it was a problem, I imagine he's probably fixed it by now. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if new editions have whatever whatever that thing was. If it was even a thing to begin with, uh, worked out. I don't know. We'll have to get to the bottom of that. Yeah, I, I, I would be hesitant to assume it's a thing because I'm, I'm sure all three of us have seen that... Um, that syndrome of, oh, yes, I, I just played the game for the first time, and I've identified why it's completely broken yes. in a way that thousands of hours of playtesting from play the developers exact. and the testers never saw. But I'm smarter mm. than all of them, and I immediately identified the problem. You yeah, know, somebody said that to me about Alien Frontiers at a PAX Dev conference and said, oh, that game's garbage. And I said, why? And they said, oh, well, you can just put a six on the, uh, the auto-terraform space, and why wouldn't you just do that? Why would you mess with anything else? I'm like, well, for this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. And he wasn't into getting yep. into a fist fight with me, so that kind of died. But, but yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, you're so smart that, you know, all these thousands of hours of playtesting uh, are trumped by your one you know, casual observation. I don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's funny how there are so many brilliant undiscovered designers out there who, uh, who if they could, we could only tap yeah. their raw potential yeah. and talent... But uh, no, uh, (laughs) still, it is an interesting game because there's a wide swath of special powers on these cards that do a lot of things. And I I wouldn't rule out that maybe there is some kind of degenerate, oh, this card plus this card. Um, If in fact that's the case, I'm sure it's easily fixable and it probably has been fixed long ago. Like Like I said, my wife and I... Is San Juan the almanac of the library where it's like you just don't play with that card because it's OP? Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, heck, even Uwe Rosenberg has had that problem with a couple of games hmm. where, oh, yeah, this thing in, what? I, I think there was one in Feast for Odin that slipped through and they had to recognize, yep, yep, that's broken. We right. suggest you take it out now. Right. <laughs> yep. So that's it. Wow. Two, three hours later, which is reasonable. That's an hour for each of us. An hour to talk. That's 10 minutes a game. I I'm guess dehydrated, that makes sense. Rado. Huh? <laughs> I'm dehydrated and I can't feel my toes. Yes. Um, Jen actually popped in about two and a half hours ago and said breakfast is ready. And <laughs> I can smell it for quite a while, and I imagine it's gone quite cold, and maybe it's gone to the dogs by now. I'm not sure. Oh, God. Um, if I had wow, food God, in God, the God, background, God. I would have left so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've, uh, you've been well-trained for this with your number one game of all time. This yes. is nothing to you. This is a walk <laughs> um, This is a quarter of the clown game. Say hi to Shay and Ryan, the uh, latest members of the Rotto Runs Through crew. Um, you'll be seeing, uh, you've seen some from Shay, you'll be seeing more soon, you'll be seeing stuff from Ryan very soon. Ryan mentioned earlier that he already did a preamble, the games that just missed the list. And I believe, Ryan, right around the time you could find this video, you can find another um, mm. adjunct video. The, the ones that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot foal or something like that? The games that missed the list by a mile. Hmm. They're the ones okay. that's so bad I couldn't even keep them in my collection. I got rid of them. The ones that if, you're, uh, if your children insisted come in, you'd say, I'm sorry, there's not enough room in this bunker. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and all of them are telestrations. Yep. <laughs> just all invariants. Well, um, folks, if you if I believe that probably should be available right now, so you can hit that eye in the top right corner of the screen or follow the show notes to go check it out. Uh, Shay, just putting you on the spot, were you planning on any... Or do you have other stuff to do? 
Uh, I'm sorry, say that one more time. Were you planning on any adjuncts to this video, or are you done with this now? I, I, I don't like to, to sit on top tens too much. I think I, I made this list, and then, you know, the next time I make a list, it's going to be completely different, I feel like. Well, right. some of it anyway. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to, to say, like, to, to decide on a list. So I, don't, I don't have anything planned out just yet. Um, I, uh, I've been making other, other content for um, RTFM at the moment, uh, which is just uh, talking about Dune. Um, Dune. Which, which I, I haven't had enough plays of. Otherwise, I, I was considering putting it on, on this list, but it's just uh, I've only played it a couple times, and I, I can't quite say for sure how much... How, how many replays I would get out of it. It's but. a candidate, though. All right. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And it, it is... It definitely has uh, some variety. It's just that, you know, with only there's only the six factions uh, in the base game. And um, so I don't I don't know how, how many replays I, I would get yeah. out of it. But. Yeah. Okay, it's, well, It doesn't guys. take 12 hours. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take 12 hours. It only takes, it, like, it, four. You know, so. What's much. up with that? What's yeah. up with baby games? I know. It's, it's, that's, it's not even worth bothering to set up. It, exactly. It Why would you even... At least two hours. Come on. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, guys, thank you very much for sacrificing your Saturday. I mean, not that any of us have anything else to do under the current circumstances. Folks, you'll see another one of this. I'll revisit this in five years from now if I'm still doing the show. If these two haven't taken over by then, I don't know. Um, But otherwise, as always, thank you very, very much for watching. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. Guys, say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, everybody, so if you've made it this far, you notice there was a brief moment near the end when Shay dropped out, and we had to stop for a bit, and we were down for about four minutes or so, and during that time, we just kept chatting. And so, as a reward for making it all the way to the end, I now present you that lost four minutes of sweet, sweet footage where we talked about some behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay. Sure. Oh, so your battery went dead. Or his slow drain. I have a much worse technological horror story to tell you when we're done this, and I'm, I'm really hoping that everything's cool. Oh, how exciting. Oh, my God. It's super stressful for me. Super Does it have to do with this particular video? Yes, sir. Oh, boy. Are you working with a corrupted memory card or something? No, I'm not using the memory card. I'm just going right to my SSD. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, but now my audio is peaking for some reason. Um, hold on. Let me turn down the, uh, the button on that. No, the, why did this go back up to, okay, here we go. Um, no, it's because the camera turned off. And so I messaged Cassie because she's just in the next room to come and turn it off and then on again for me. But in doing so, I was anytime I would hit the enter key in OBS, I have the enter key mapped to showing my trailer like my outro so it started playing my outro and i had to switch it back to the ryan cam and then the other thing that i noticed probably too late but i don't think too too late and i might have missed like a little tiny bit but not very much is that anytime i hit the space bar it's mapped to pause in obs so i'd be typing a sentence to cassie like please come turn on camera every time i hit so if i hit the space bar an odd (laughs) number of times it would pause the video but if I typed to your an even number of times with the space bar, it would l- remain unpaused. So I caught it, and I only think it was going for a few seconds unpaused. But I won't know until the end, and it's the worst, and I'm so sorry. And there's too much that can go wrong with a setup like this. Jeepers creepers. Oh, I mapped pause to shift. And I never bother with capitalization.
So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yikes. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think Hopefully the worst of it is they get to see a lot of your uh, just, you know, goofy big mouth headshot. Sounds good. <laughs> what's, your, what's your record time right now, Rado? Yeah. What's your All record right. time? Rado, what's your record time say? My record time, I am at 2 hours and 32 minutes and 40 seconds. So I just missed 2 minutes. And I think it was two minutes when I wasn't talking. Well, right. chances are you weren't because somebody else was talking, and that's when you were typing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what I'm hoping. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't have been typing while you were actually talking. That would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good that would, point. I mean, your your simple brain, your adult brain, couldn't <laughs> handle that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So yeah, I hope I missed uh, a couple minutes of not me time. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right, so you're are you back up and running, Shane? Yeah, yeah, it's all good. All and right. I, I, now you're all out of sync. You're making no, no, no. My uh, my my video is tied to a different thing, so like it's still recording. Um, so I I'm still at two hours thirty, whatever. What happened then? No, my camera ran out of battery, but my video feed is coming from a, a the thing that my camera plugs into. So um, so it's still it's it has still been recording this whole time. Okay, it's just the video wasn't. There was no video. It's all for confusing. It. But all oh right. God, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Holy crap! Yeah, it's it's fine. You're, you're going to get one video file from me. So yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, Unlike some what, people. Uh, <laughs> Rado, what do you? You know, you'll still get one video file from me. It's just paused and it's going to cut a bit out. What? Yeah. Uh, which which editing software are you using? I'm using I, OBS, but oh, editing software. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you both yeah. guys are Premiere. Premiere is too rich for my blood. I'm just using a cheap thing called PowerDirector, which costs fifty bucks on Amazon one time. Okay, because what I noticed like way too late after doing it the hard way for about a year, I don't know if PowerDirector has this, but uh, Premiere has a feature where if you got an audio track and yeah. a video that has yes, audio, exactly. yep. select them both and hit synchronize and it does it for you. It's yep. so, so helpful. It's so good and I didn't know it was in there until like a year later. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, been, I'd actually been clapping or slating my shots in order to line them up with the snap for a year. Mm. That was brutal. We'll get there. 